Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to, wait, what? The Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is waitwhatpodcast.com. Today is our first episode of 2019, and it is an almost breathtaking three-hour episode. In it, you will hear Graham McMillan and I discuss Alan Moore and The Last War in Albion, the Shelf Dust Top 100 comic books of all time, and Graham's own top ten submitted for the list, a very, very long discussion of the recent Tom King controversy regarding the Tumblr post. Abbe, if you're listening to this, please stop listening around the 90-minute mark, maybe, please. A super brief discussion about Into the Spider-Verse and much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, Hello! Hello, happy 2019, Jeff. Indeed, happy 2019. And, uh, happy Blade Runner year. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Always important that we celebrate Blade Runner year. <laughs> and whatever, because wasn't there a list of, like, everything that happened in this year? Because isn't this, like, one of those years where, you know, in the, in the, in the 80s, they were like, this is far enough in the future to be science fiction, but not far enough for, you know, yeah. to be Star Trek. Because yeah. I seem to remember there was a list of, like, five different things that took place in 2019. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's, like, Blade Runner and, like, some after the apocalypse AD. And, uh, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a list that I don't have right in front of me. But uh, let's, let's just say. Up, you know, there's this and um, uh, Transformers the movie. <laughs> really? I, 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 when did that come out? I want to say that's 2020, but I might be making that up. Do you remember Transformers the movie? I, I know we've talked about like you weren't you were just too old for it. I was too old, so I never saw it. I have to say I was always tempted because a it was the movie that was set. Oh, wow, it's two thousand five. Oh Jesus! See, <laughs> the, okay. Well, anyway, so Transformers. Yeah, it seemed it seemed cool in the sense of like uh, it was a it was an animated movie, and also people were like, yeah characters really die in this and it was like hmm that sounds yeah. kind of hmm yeah, yeah optimus, optimus prime dies yeah that's like <laughs> like like the biggest character in your franchise and you kill him off in the movie yeah i mean that's that's like pretty hardcore shit i'm sure the kids were just like what oh i i, I lost my mind <laughs> i said i was like because even by that age i was like trained enough to go oh he's gonna come back well of course yeah Oh. You know, and he and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing shit. What did uh, right? Okay, so what did you figure out? What else? Oh, I what no, I was I, going to say was yeah, what else was just the being an old uh, means that like I mean I graduated. I was the class of 1984, and like back in like 1970 something or other i want to say there was like a cheap exploitation movie called the class of 1984 and then they did a sequel called the class of 1994 and of course there was george orwell's 1984 that i'd started reading in like fifth or sixth grade well before it so i just feel like my life has been one slow it's like a character like jackie chan tumbling through a series of awnings it's just one science fiction you know, deadline I, after honest, another. Ever since we passed 2001. Exactly. And, and not for the film 2001. Oh, really? But for Armageddon 2001, the the, the DC series. That, oh. that was it. That was, for some reason, that was like the, the line for me. Yeah, it makes sense. 
I mean, I think I feel like we all do. Like, I forget what Escape from New York might be 1995 or something like that. And that was just. Isn't it crazy to think 1995 seems so long ago now? Like, We're... literally, it's 24 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that, it's such a long time. 1997. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, was it 1997? Right. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah. yeah, it's like, so blowing through that, 2001, 2010. You know, just a variety of other things. Hit, I want to say 2020 is like a, a science fiction year. Am I making that up? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure. What, what's the What's the year of, of Terminator? What's the What's the future dystopian Terminator year? I thought it was. See, this is it. I thought it was. It wasn't 2025, was it? I, I'm really bad with numbers as I get older. So yeah, I'm looking up Terminator Salvation because that takes place during that 2018. Oh God! See. We just keep blowing right through them, and that's the thing. They're all historical movies now, you know? I, it's, not, it's absolutely nuts. It's kind of a shame that, like, I, A, never had kids, or B, I would love to have a kid now just because growing up I could show them these movies and be like, yeah, that's what 1997 was like, yeah. Exactly. And then, that, that's actually what happened then. Yeah, they, they, they fixed it after that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Escape from New York is a historical movie, so they take some liberties. You know, they take a lot of liberties with the truth. <laughs> but Yeah, it wasn't New York. It was actually New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> little, little known fact is his name was Steak Pliskin. <laughs> and he actually didn't look like that, and they re he refused to have his likeness, and it was a big thing. Anyway, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, let, let's let's not get into the details, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine. Let's just say that it's a shame no one really ever made the 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 movie about the next four years where we rebuild things, because by that point Hal's up and running, so you know. Yeah, that was called Return to New York. <laughs> Return to New York is was that the alternate name for two thousand one A Space Odyssey? Yes, that's what the monolith is. It's actually New York. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, there we go. Oh my God, you can see how bad uh, Graham and Jeff's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen would be. It's kind of like, huh? That doesn't it's almost be as bad as League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Century. Ooh, ouch! You know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Century. I just. I was going to say it didn't age well, but let's be honest, it didn't really start off well either. You know, I, I know that I'm more of a fan, and of course this is going to pretty much be the underpinning topic of, of uh, this episode if if we're not lucky. But I know I was more of a fan than you were. I just, I, I just, I feel there were there were steps wrong along the way, but I thought I thought I thought Century landed pretty well. You know, what do you because because wait, are you meaning like the Harry Potter reveal? Yeah, 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 the the Harry Potter Cause, cause versus like, Mary Poppins. That's, well, that's on the point where I'm like, oof, oof. I, and one of the reasons I'm thinking about this is obviously the Mary Poppins movie just came out. Yes, no, exactly. and so lots of, mm -hmm. lots of people were talking about it again. They were like, remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when yeah. Alan Moore decided to have Mary Poppins beat, which if you think about it again, is just one of those very str a strange forms of nostalgia slash. B, uh, I think there's times where when you get someone like a, a who's a formalist, like more like, you know, which is great because, you know, his on the one hand, it's like, OK, he's got a theme, you know, and I, I do think that having League of Extraordinary Gentlemen be sort of this long, slow uh, reveal for Century, particularly being uh, about the, the curse of toxic masculinity and yet 
sort of like by the time you get there and more is like, well, I've got to clearly have someone who can defeat my, you know, image of ultimate toxic masco. Uh, and it's like, oh, I'll come up with I'll, I'll choose Mary Poppins. You know, she's everything that is the, that Harry Potter isn't, but is also magical. And I'm sort of like, eh, I, eh. <laughs> but what's what's hilarious to me is. I, I'm not sure I buy Harry Potter as a symbol of toxic masculinity. And in a weird way, I can see Mary Poppins yes. as like fitting into, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but that's the problem with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, especially, especially Century for me, mm-hmm. is that Moore has never seemed older because it's so much of its time and its time is like, you know, the, the, so much of the time like Moore comes from culturally. Mm-hmm. Yes. So by the time you get to the 2009 chapter, like he really is just like an old man being like, oh, these kids today. Well, you know, this is one of the things that, that kind of is so frustrating and, and uh, about more, especially I feel in, in his later days is that he is so trying to, um, you know, I mean, it, he, by trying to attack things like, say toxic masculinity or you know deal with this idea of like yes women progressive liberated the you know the salvation of the species and yet because he does it in his you know pervy old way uh it just there's there is there's sort of that very frustrating disconnect where i i feel like um depending depending on on who you are or how old you are, you can look at more stuff and be like, oh, yeah, I see what he's going for. This is beautiful. Or it's just kind of like, Ugh, okay, rapey McRaperson, back off a little bit. We get it. You, <laughs> you get a, you get a boner about petticoats. That's totally fine. Jesus, we can move on. Maybe we can have like one epic of yours that doesn't, you know, uh, revolve around like, you know, sex with shaggy people, uh, or, you know, uh, just, just rape, you know, and I, I, I've got to ask really quickly, do you read, um, the last war in Albion, the, the Elizabeth Sandifer theoretically like comparison of Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, but pretty more, pretty much like someone written very firmly in Alan Moore's corner, who's like, Alan Moore's a genius. Then Grant Morrison came about, and he's a bit of a tosser. But <laughs> it's, it's a serialized, like, ex- I mean, when I say extended critical analysis, it's really long. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, midway through part two, and he's doing it chronologically, and he's only just reached Watchmen. Oof, oof. And, like, part two is, you know, this is part, this is book two, part 33. Mm-hmm. Give you an idea of how long this is. Wow. But his most recent chapter, it looks like it actually came out two years ago, but someone just linked to it the other day, and so I, I only just read it, um, is, is, is a Moore on Sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Is, is that the most recent? Maybe it's not. I, I'll send you a link anyway so you can look it up, but somewhere in there is, Oh, maybe it's the, oh, maybe it's two years and nine months ago is this chapter I was reading. Uh, he, he basically makes the argument that Alan Moore, uh, A, cannot write about sex, and B, is terrified of sex. Really? Oh, yeah. that's weird. Wow, yeah. why? He's, he's basically like the only, the only thing that Graham Morrison does better than Alan Moore is, is sex. 
because he thinks Alan Moore is like amazingly repressed, doesn't understand like fetishism, uh, and and is like um, amazingly old fashioned and prudish in in the way that he treats sexuality and sex. Huh. Wow. And, and like uses Watchmen as like the lens for this because he he's like in this chapter he then like jumps ahead. And it's basically like, and you know, Grant Morrison at least gets kinky, so you know that's in his favor. <laughs> yeah, it's a really like it's a really eye-opening thing because for the most part, like I said, he really is, to my eyes at least, or sorry, she really is, to my eyes at least, um, firmly in Moore's corner, hmm. like firmly, like you know, Moore did it. Moore, hmm. Moore doesn't just walk, uh, talk the talk. Moore walks the walk. Mm-hmm. Morrison is is a pretender. Morrison is a chancer. Hmm. Um, uh, but then this chapter came along, and she's just like, you know, Alan Moore just like is terrified of sex. Wow, that's weird because I don't, I don't feel that Alan Moore is terrified of sex. Again, maybe it's just so reductive, but I, I really view Alan Moore so firmly through the lens of like, like a dude who really came of age during the '60s, you know, and so. It's kind of like, you know, like he's he's like the kind of guy who's like, ah, no, my wife and I are so transgressive. We take turns going down on each other. You know, 69. Well, no, that, that, Look yeah, out, no, lads. A, you know, like Moore is really firmly like trapped ideologically. What in the 80s? Would mm. you say? Uh, ideologically? How do you mean ideologically? It, 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 honestly, I mean, like in his approach to almost everything. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, weirdly enough, I feel that more to me is, and I, and I, I could be wrong, but to me, more is the 60s bent through the lens of the 70s. And in, in that sense, because there's, I think, other creators that came of age, not maybe not a ton, but there's a certain number of creators who sort of came of age in the 80s, sort of wearing the same influences, but not, weirdly, not entirely. I feel like Moore's the sort of guy who, you know, again, it depends on it, like, you know, take a, take a figure like Brian Eno, for example. Like, Eno is kind of a surprisingly crazy sliding scale. You start off with him you know, uh, with Roxy music. And then he, you know, he's like, ends up producing like the greatest, most successful U2 albums ever made. Right. So, yeah. and, and does the, the little, you know, opening ch- tune to w- the windows 95 operating system. So he's a guy who covers a huge, you know, length, but it seems to me that Moore's obsession with, Eno is very firmly rooted in the 70s, sort of the same way that that Moore's interest in, say, um, I don't know, you know, uh, J.G. Byard or like any of the guys from the progressive sci-fi New Worlds approach, you know, and Moorcock and stuff like that. It all seems to me really firmly grounded. And similarly, I think part of the problem I've always maintained and I, you know, people could easily prove me wrong is, is that a lot of what Moore defines as entertainment, it comes from, again, kind of the 70s, uh, 
action See, entertainment, I, and it's closer it, to like exploit. It's not that far separated from exploitation and. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you know no, what I mean, a hundred percent. Except I really would have placed that like early eighties, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, you could you could be right, but I feel like the eighties flattens out mighty quick because you know Star Wars hits at seventy eight. And I feel like it's the shockwave of it rolls right through. And you see the number of people that really try to get, um, uh, you know, trying to rip off Star Wars and, and in a way don't get it because they're kind of like, oh, you mean kind of kind of like a, a goofy parody thing or you mean like you know like like Smokey and the Bandit in space like no one can really sort of wrap their brain around the the post ironic thrust of Star Wars right and I feel by the 80s that all kind of very much flattens out you know the the auteurists kind of disappear like the transgressive dudes kind of like go scurrying, you know, in opposite directions under Reagan. Then you start having the AIDS uh, crisis wipe out like an entire generation of gay artists. And then towards the end of the 80s, you sort of, I feel, start seeing like in response to things like Thatcher and and, and again, um, you know, ACT UP, you start seeing more rebellions start to come in but i really feel like the 80s and again this could just be where i was trapped and what i was exposed to like in kind of a small town america kind of thing is this like the 80s is very particularly that first half is a really safe and is really about shoring up conventional values and to that extent i feel like more feels like a rebel and maybe there were particularly maybe somewhat like somewhere in Britain, there were a lot more people for whom the idea of the artist was the idea of the rebel, but over in America where it, you know, the, the vast flood of capitalism sort of uh, both raised all boats and kind of washed out every plane, like, there was just massive amounts of confusion. It was like when, when Bruce Springsteen got pissed that, you know, Ronald Reagan was using born in the USA as is like one of his campaign songs, you know, but everyone was like, no, but Bruce Springsteen is successful. And therefore, and he's clearly celebrating American values. And he's like, no, I'm celebrating like blue collar working values, you dumbass. And they're like, yeah, like America and you're a success. So you're a rich person now. So you're in the group with all the rich, successful people. And I just feel like that was the sort of, there's such a homogeny, um, that homogenousness in, in American, in American culture in the early eighties, that the weird stuff is really just kind of creeping out of the corners and in that sense that might admittedly more was a big hit in britain but it could well be that part of why he goes on and becomes an enormous hit in america pretty immediately is a he takes very seriously a lot of things that people weren't taking seriously like you know comic books uh and he really believed in 
very conventional values uh, in a way that even when he's like, oh, this is me being an outlaw, I'm going to say something crazy here. Make war no more, man. You know, it's like people are like, wow, wow, this guy's a crazy thinker. You know, it's so for me, it's very much a, a more has always been conventional to me in a way that is uh sort of tied in with the quote unquote you know sort of progressive humanist 70s values that I grew up both a being thinking of as somehow traditional and yet almost um counterculture at the same time and I feel like and I feel like because of that it's very hard for me not to view more as someone other than, you know, a creation of the 70s. It's just that he he took those values and they and made hay with them, so to speak, very so strongly during the 80s. You just you remind me like you've read Alan Moore's Star Wars stories, right? Uh, you know, I actually have not. I and I he, he I did. I want to say like three mm-hmm. stories for the, the British Star Wars comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's safe to say like he just does not understand Star Wars at all. Yeah, exactly. Like I like it. just doesn't does mm-hmm. not get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not not in the same sense of a lot of like you know early Star Wars comic where they're like you know this is kind of it right like giant rabbit sure right. like he doesn't get it because um he he really just approaches it as this like weird intellectual exercise. Size, which Star Wars just is not. Yes, right. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like he can't find an in to the to to the Star Wars of it all. Yeah, yeah. I I to- which I totally get, and and it's weird because I don't think that it's not until you maybe get to the Alan Moore of America's Best Comics or something that you can maybe cut that I think that he could kind of wrap his brain around it. He would then turn around and probably overdo it to a ghastly degree. But mm-hmm. but I think, you know, so I think that's... So to me, again, one of the things that I think is funny is I don't think of... Like, if, if you were to ask me, like, comic book creators that are afraid of sex, of course, I'm like, yeah, Garth Ennis is, like, so clearly... Oh, God, yo, God, yes. You know, like, I'm just like, he makes... Alan Moore look like, you know, which is exactly what Alan Moore wants to look like. He wants to look like monogamy's uh, Hugh Hefner or something, you know, he's like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, he's got the smoking jacket and it's like, that, no, does he like Alan Moore just, uh, I, I, we'll probably agree to differ because we have a lot of differing opinions on Alan Moore here. Well, I just think, um, I'll, I'll have to find that that link and send it to you. I'll I, have to track that and sure, send it to you. That would be great because I really do. Part of me is like, huh, I really. But a bit of nothing else. You'd all. you'd love to read the Last War in Albion. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's something you'd really appreciate, even if I suspect you disagree with a lot of it. Uh, um, I just think overall you'd find it a really rewarding read. I I think I would, although I have to say, and I'm sure I would. It's just framing it in a context of. Moore versus Morrison is uh strikes me as is innately tedious you know like I just don't that just just doesn't hold any not only is it just I feel like such a an exponential unfortunate outgrowth of who's stronger Thor versus Hulk but it just Mm -hmm. seems like it's such a um it's I don't know. It, it's it's just something that again, if you get someone who's creative enough or clever enough or who really has things to say, 
and uses that as their groundwork to to produce fertile observations, then I guess it can't all be bad. But part of me is just like, Jesus Christ, like, why do we really have to have that discussion slash, you know, argument? If, you know, if nothing else, again, I do believe that there's only one one of those two individuals involved uh, that are that interested in perpetuating it. But secondly, even if they both were, it's still like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of the things that drives me crazy about like, you know, you just don't see other fields where it's like, okay, I like chocolate. You like peanut butter. Who would win in a fight? You know? And it's like, what? I, I like them both. No, 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 no. You can exactly. only it's, like it's one. Not just to, but, yeah. But, uh, okay, so that is trite, mm-hmm. and that it that is reductive, and it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it speaks very much to a fanboy idea of the world, and honestly, to, to the idea of a world for people who've read up, who've grown up reading comic books, mm-hmm. wherein it is binary, like there's good versus evil, there's superhero versus supervillain. Right. Um, to what extent do like creators play into that? And I'm thinking specifically of Moore here because Moore falls out with everyone. Right. And, and then, like, I, I, I'm remembering not only, like, his, you know, going after Jeff Johns and being like, oh, no, if you're a fan of him, you can't be a fan of me. Or him going even further with people – with Morrison actually saying at one point, if you like Grant Morrison, I do not want you to read my work. I, I, I think I, I think I, at one point when Jason Aaron got really pissed off and told him off, Moore pretty much said, like, if you like my work – and you like anything that the current comics industry is doing, like, then you don't really get it, you know, or something where Jason Arrow was like, hey, fuck you, man. You know, where Moore's like, honestly, I don't I don't read anyone. I don't read anyone these days. They strike me as profoundly uninteresting. And, you know, I mean, Moore's gone on to uh, uh, I don't know it. Basically, I feel to the extent that Moore is. um. You know, I I think there's I think there's two sides to it. I think that honestly, there's the part of more that is tired. Like again, the, the people who make the case for it's like he's just tired of this shit. And if you ask him about it in an interview, he'll be candid about it. You know, but you know the fact is, I feel like you know he goes out of his way to not talk about it. Un, you know, unless provoked, it's not kind of like the Dave Sim, you know, okay. But, and I, I know you're like, that's clearly not that case. Again, we're on. I I just, I just think if you, I think if you don't want to talk about it, if someone asks you, you just say, I don't want to talk about it. Cause Moore always rises to the bait. Oh yeah. It rises to the bait in such fashion that it almost feels like, you know, he's been preparing for this and hoping someone would ask him the question. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel that if you really genuinely didn't want to talk about it, you can just not talk about it. Well, yeah, I feel that I feel that there's the performative aspect of Moore mm-hmm. draws a lot of the like. I just don't believe that he doesn't want to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? I I just I I 100% don't think that's true, and maybe he does think that's true, but I think that his own behavior wow. suggests the opposite. I think that if you look at Alan Moore, there's not anything that he's ever been asked where he said, I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah, and I, I could I, be wrong. No, I, but, I agree. Yeah. But at the same time, that is always an option. Just because he's never chosen that option does not mean it's not an option. Well, sure, sure. But I, I'm just if, saying. If, but if we were to take him at his word that he does not want to talk about it, 
mm-hmm. then literally all he has to say is, I don't read any comics anymore. Wait. Well, Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, sure. there, 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 there are ways to, to respond to that question without going to the invective that he goes to. Mm. That I, I think that he, I think that he is a more than willing participant. Well, uh, okay, so this was going to be the other thing that I know that you and I have talked about, which is the, the huge number of people that Moore has fallen out with. And I think that Moore is an incredibly passive-aggressive dude. And uh, to me, it, it, yes, yes. profoundly, you know, passive-aggressive people are people who are more or less kind of afraid of their feelings and afraid of their, usually especially their anger. So when it comes out... It's usually super vituperative. And also I feel passive aggressive people tend to actually sit and stew over shit that they insist isn't bothering them. But it is. And then they sit there and stew over it. And eventually you just at some point it it gets it gets ugly. It just inevitably gets ugly. So I think Moore has a thing of, you know, there's a lot of things that he does that are, are, again, I just feel like there's a certain level of anger there. Plus, let's face it. I mean, we like we all like to pretend otherwise. But the fact is, smoking a lot of pot makes you irritable. You think it makes you <laughs> mellow? It really makes you fucking cranky when you're not on the pot. Like, every person that I know who's like a huge peacenik who smokes a ton of pot and talks about how it keeps them mellow are just incredible rage heads. And a lot of times I honestly feel that that's because the pot is turning them into a crazed, angry chimpanzee with communist leanings, you know, and that's, so I, I do think that frankly more by, you know, tying spliffs in his beard, blue beard style every day to get creative probably is just, yeah, is, is a cranky fucker. So, but I, but all of which did you just wait? A, did you say I was going to disagree with any of that? Because I agree all with all. Well, of that. no, because this is me giving ground. You're like, well, I see we're on the same side then, and I'm like, I, I'm just saying those things are. I think those things are all true, but you can still also get to someone who who doesn't want to necessarily. Like I said, I feel like he really doesn't want to talk about it, but. As somebody who is angry and upset and annoyed about this shit and is upset about the way that he's treated, I think that he, you know, is absolutely not living up to that. But again, I have a certain amount of uh, I I have enough respect for the guy and his accomplishments that I'm just going to like kind of cut him like uh, the sort of slack that it seems like, you know, some people and and what's amazing is as each comics generation gets a new uh, set of people in it, fewer and fewer members of that generation, I think, are, are, are going to be willing to do so. And I, but is that not OK? Like this, this, this ties in with the other conversation we were having yesterday, mm-hmm. like about generations of. I've just done that thing where, like, I referred to something that didn't happen on the podcast. Sorry, everyone. We'll we'll get to the context soon. We really will, I promise. Um, but and I, I'll tie it into some of the context I was offering yesterday. The shelf dust top 100 comic issues mm-hmm. of all time list. Felicate mm-hmm. like literally came from two entirely separate generations. Mm. Um. Because there were things in there that, honestly, I was like, how did that end up in a list of top 100 comics ever? Mm-hmm. Never mind, like, you know, so 
Hi. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also things where I was like, you know, how how did this not make the list, or how is this in the list so low? But it's because I am of a certain generation, and there's a, a subsequent generation. I would say, argue, there's maybe two subsequent generations, right? Um, th- that their frame of reference is so very different. Yeah, and that's a good thing, right? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I don't know how to put it. Like, it is. I, I don't know. I do love like the the part where like kind of the you know George Romero gets a pass for me forever is just really to me it's his insight that you know night of the living dead it's a bunch of people holed up in a house the dead have come back to eat everyone and they're fighting desperately to survive dawn of the dead it's the same situation but more or less there's uh there's an understanding that it's more or less inevitable like you know that that uh, one generation overtakes the next and the it's natural i don't necessarily like being caught, dragged down, and, you know, violently eaten with my intestines dragged out. But I understand that it's sort of the way of the world. It's, it's, I feel like as a 52-year-old dude, I really had the hubris slash naivete of thinking that the internet was going to be able to kind of more or less keep me culturally uh, in sync with people younger than me and or people older than me of a like temperament, you know, mm-hmm. more or less uh, forever. Because I, I remember going through a period where it was like, oh, holy shit, I, I'm i in my 40s and I have friends who are in my 20s. And we talk about we have so much of the same experiences, thanks to the fact that the people who are in their 20s have access to everything and are, you know, the, like the crazed voluminous, you know, constantly hungering for more pop culture nerds that I was, I just didn't have the constant access. And so like, we're more or less on the same path by this time. And then, you know, but, and the last, I feel like the last two years is I'm like, these people are fucked, you know? And, and it's, it's just, (laughs) wait, wait. So these people are fucked in what sense? I, I just, I just mean in the sense of, yeah, there there are people are going to have these opinions that that as you said, it's perfectly right and natural that they're going to have a completely different set of like you said top 100s where you're just like, you know, that made the top 10, that shouldn't be in the top yeah, 300. Yeah, very, you know, very much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I, I really had that where I was like, why do you think that's good? Yeah, yeah. I I, I like why 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 is that in there? And it's I mean it's utterly patronizing for me to be like they're young but like that's where my brain went do you know what i mean where it's like you know how how can you genuinely think that that comic deserves to be in the top 100 comics list ever but then you know i also look at like the top 10 i did Mm -hmm. and mine is like so ridiculous objective like new guardians number one is actually on my top 10 (laughs) i like i can't make any objective argument right in in that book's favor at all sure well, I, I just, I don't know. For me, I feel like there's a, uh, well, I, I mean, without meaning to like split hairs, A, there's the problem of trying to deal with these things when it's art and art is, is sort of so subjective. And, you know, even if you are, and I'm sure people have, like, 
come up with groups to to separate people into, you're still going to have like a wide range of what's good or not. I mean, I think that whether it's good or not that the gen, that that you know the next generation picks a bunch of stuff that I don't agree with doesn't really matter because at least for me, I I'm lucky enough to have lived at a point where I don't believe in the necessity of uh how do i put it like the classics you know or i really believe that if there is going to be a a, a canon for any sort of um uh art medium that it's important that that canon is fluid and does change by generations like i'm fascinated seeing how like when i was a lit major in school like it kind of was all but assumed you were going to read Hemingway and you were going to read sure. a lot of Hemingway. And I just, I don't know, like it's very clear that that's not the case anymore as far as I can tell. And I think there's things that are lost in that, that because I'm an old person and some of those values are tied to who I am, I'm like, oh no, it's, that's, it's a horrible loss. Like he really knew how to wait each word, you know, on the other hand, he was, you know, a horrific blowhard who really did. Like if we're going to talk about popularizing toxic masculinity, you know, but oh, sure. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, part of me is like, it, it's fine. It'll all work out, you know, and God help us. If there's actually a human race, like 10 generations from now, like, there might we won't be around to see whether or not like we were right to put um you know uh, who knows we well, could live in a world where it's widely accepted that guardians number one is like the best comic of all time which oh god would that, be amazing right really do you want me to run down the top 10 i think so because although i love steve morris i I couldn't quite bring myself to look at them because I knew it would just make me mad, but it seems... Okay, so the top ten is number ten, Daredevil 191. Oh, yeah. Which is Frank Miller's last issue of Daredevil. Oh, I know. I actually wrote a high school term paper on it. (laughs) Of course you did. Uh, Number nine, (laughs) Uncanny Uncanny X-Men 137. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Because you're right, but I just want to actually savor the afterglow (laughs) of that burn because that is like... I'm like, oh... Uh, I just, I'm like, there is a strip of flesh missing from me that is about a <laughs> yard wide. Oh, okay. X-Men 137. At number nine? Okay. Anyway. At number nine. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, the other thing that's fascinating about this is the amount of Grant Morrison that ended up in the last 20. It's amazing to me. Uh, number eight. Talking about Grant Morrison, Animal Man number five. Wow. The Coyote Gospel. Uh-huh. Oh. Number seven. Watchmen number four. Huh. Which is Watchmaker issue. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I knew Number that the six. even ones were the origin issues, so I was like, huh? Number okay. six. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to have your mind blown? All right, I'm sitting down. The Multiversity Pax Americana. Oh, I think I saw that in passing, that that mm-hmm. beat out the Watchmen issue. Number oh. five, Swamp Thing 21. Dean <laughs> Number four, this is better than any of the comics we've listed so far. Are you ready? Oh, God. Dazzler, the motion picture. No, no. Hawkeye issue 11. Oh, what, the pizza dog or pizza? Oh, my. Number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 33. Wow. Number two, and this is honestly even more than Hawkeye, the one that really 
stunned me. Nox is not a good comic, but because this ends up at number two is mind blowing to me. Astro City at half. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Number one, All Star Superman number ten. <laughs> Does that not like seem super like don't get me wrong, they're all good comics, but is the top ten issues? Like seems such a strange list to me. It's well, okay. First off, I have to I have to ask because I guess I wasn't paying attention. Was it was it restricted to the top, like just the big two, or I'm well, no, because no, because no. Astro City's in there, but like yeah, and no, I, it's it wasn't. It sounds it like was, it was literally it was uh, which single issue would oh. you put? Everyone asked to contribute contributed. Uh, ten single issues from any publisher. Right. But it couldn't had to be single issue, it couldn't be a graphic novel. Right. Okay, well that which makes sense in a way, but but also huh. So in theory, somewhere in the hundred issues there's an issue of Love and Rockets that just but not but that oh, didn't yeah. crack the top ten. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm uh, the other thing is is just where that gets profoundly weird for me is well, do, do you want to do so do you want me to do number twenty the twenty to eleven? Yes, please. Okay. Twenty. Doom Patrol issue sixty three. Oh, is that the finale, or is that? It's Morrison's. It's Morrison's epilogue. The, yeah. the Jane of the Real World. Right, right. Nineteen. Oh, sorry, you just cut out. What was it? Eighteen. Hawkeye number nineteen. Uh, nineteen is uh, Watchmen number one. Oh, okay. Eighteen. Hawkeye number nineteen. <laughs> Seventeen. Ms. Marvel the Kamal Khan number one. Ha. Huh. Sixteen. Giant size X Men number one. Huh. 15, and Superman Annual number 11, the Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons issue. Hmm. 14, Fantastic Four 51. Hmm. 13, Journey into Mystery number 645, which is the final issue of Kieran Gillen's Loki storyline. Wow. Right? 12, Hitman number 34. Uh. 11, Sandman number 8. Wow. Right? It's an amazing list. Well, I mean, it definitely sounds like uh, the majority of people who responded to that list were like teenagers during the 90s, which is awesome, I guess. I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, part of me is like, uh, uh, you know, I I kind of on the one hand, part of me is like the my initial response is, you know, it's not like those are quote unquote terrible comics i'd be really bummed if like number 13 was like i don't know spawn number nine or something like that you know but sure but, but i mean that's just a, they're, they're not i mean that's it I, i'm really tempted to do 30 to 21 because there are like a couple of comics in there that are, are are in my mind not good okay do it do it do it we're just is we're there, just driving it, are, everyone wait, crazy. Am, I, am i wrong oh no i think there's just one mm. No, there's there's actually two comics in there that I would say are, are actively not good. Okay. Um, okay, 30, Why the Last Man, number one. Mm-hmm. 29, New Gods, number seven. Hmm. Wait, number eight, at, uh, tw- wait, at 29? Yep, oh, 28, right. OMAC, number one. Yeah, oh, but again, 28. That would have been in my top ten, but okay. That, that was in my top ten. Um, 27, Sandman, issue 18, which is the Cats issue. Mm-hmm. Wicked and Divine, uh, number 13 is number 26. Uh huh. Batman Dark Knight Returns, number one. 
is 25. Uh-huh. 24, Flex Mentalo, number 24. Wait. 23, what? Oh, Flex sorry, Flex Mentalo number four. Okay, thank 23, you. Saga issue one. Uh-huh. 22, Bitch Planet issue three. <laughs> 21, Hawkeye number six. <laughs> okay, I'm assuming based on uh, our previous stuff, like you and I both are in agreement that Bitch Planet number three is not a good comic, right? Yes, yes. Okay. That and, is one of the ones where I would say it's, it is not a good comic. Okay, and then you had a meaningful pause at one of them, which was like, was it Sandman 18? Was the other one that you did not think was a good issue? Or? Hawkeye issue 6. Hawkeye oh, okay. issue 6. You know, Hawkeye, I, I don't know if I ever made it past, I think I made it seven or eight issues in, maybe nine before like the, the Marvel, my, my little, I, like I should go back and read them all. But I'm like... I, if, uh, huh, interesting. Okay. I mean, you know, sure. I, wow. That's weird. I mean, I have to say the thing that I think is really interesting about this list is kind of that it's, that, that A, people really went with their heart and B, it seems like a, a few Marvel comics aside, like really strangely, uh, a historical list. You know what I mean? Like, which again, just maybe speak. Wait, no, to... no, what did, what did, no, explain that. Ah, uh, uh, well, I mean, apart from Marvel Comics site? Well, I mean, like, cause you've got Fantastic Four 51 and you've got Spider-Man 33. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that that's the Lee Ditko, uh, not, not like. Yes. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> issue 33 yeah, of it, Dan it, Slott's it, Spider-Man. Yeah, no, it, it, it's the final chapter is the one where he, he lifts the machine. Yeah. The, the lifting of the machine. So. So, I mean, those aside, like the fact that you get both New Gods and OMAC number one at like 28 and 29, and those are, if I'm thinking correctly, the oldest comics except for the Fantastic Four and the Spider-Man book. You know what I mean? And like everything else runs in a gamut like doesn't run any earlier. pretty much in the last like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean – 30 for the inclusion of Watchmen and Swamp Thing, which are sort of semi-perennials kind of thing, you know? So I, it's just, it's kind of interesting to me because part of me is like maybe further on down the line. Like, I I feel like if you look at, uh, I just feel like a list that was done, say, 20 years ago, uh, the same sort of list would be very different and not just in the sense of you know people picking out books that were from the 80s but i feel like there would be a lot more people who'd be like oh yeah i mean you got to put in zap number four like i don't really care for it but everyone's aware well but that's just that everyone's voting for their their choice of top which i think honestly for most people they voted for their favorites right and so i don't think you are going to get a list of people being like well this this is worthy but i don't like it right yeah. Well, and I mean, I think I think that's in a way part of me is like, OK, so if it's like your top 100 favorite comics. But I mean, that's that thing. Once you throw it into the top 100 comics of all time, you know, of course, it st- starts getting into weird. I mean, you know, it's it's pop culture like it's very I just feel like if you look at someone like uh if you look at like Rolling Stones list or something, you know, admittedly Rolling Stones kind of got the, you know, 
baby boomers are still the only people subscribing to our magazine. Therefore, it's shockingly shocking how high Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young are going to be in this list. Um, There's still kind of that. I don't know. It's just it's just it's striking to me. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, these are all, uh, you know, I, I don't really think, you know, uh, Hawkeye and Bitch Planet aside, just the fact that Bitch Planet broke the top 30 is, ama- is amazing to me. Like that's. But but again, does that not really speak to a generational shift to you? Because there is like there is legitimately a generation of I would say like early to early to mid 20s uh, critics and writers for whom Kelly Sue DeConnick is is Alan Moore was to her generation. Yeah. And I'm I like I, I even as I say that I'm like well that's ridiculous but I genuinely think it's true. There are people for whom like Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel is somehow a like a watershed moment. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's I think it very much speaks to it was if you had Again, sounds like this is going to sound really patronizing. It's not meant to. But if you have limited understanding of the history of the industry and you started reading comics in, say, 2005, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Comics Captain Marvel is going to be a big deal. Well, yeah. I mean, or even I think there's a – Because a... female writers in there, like, for you know, exactly. the first, like, decade of this of this – Century, yeah, and the big two were almost non-existent. So there was Gail Simone, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do get that. And Gail Simone is unpopular, therefore she's not going to end up on the list. <laughs> well, it's true. It's weirdly true. Huh? That that is interesting to me. I, I, I think, I think the the bit that's, I, well, a, I, I agree. I think that there's a lot to be said that about. Um, you know, it, it probably speaks well that there are people for whom, like you said, DeConnick's Captain Marvel is a watershed moment because it's, it's a, it's a moment where they feel like comics are finally for them, you know? Yes, exactly. They finally feel recognized as, as a reader. Yeah. And, and, and that's an incredibly powerful feeling. (laughs) I, I, I would assume uh, the problem is, is that being like a, a a white guy, like a cis white guy, I'm like, it's basically all for me. You know what I mean? Like it is really like it's pat. I, the patronizing one is me being like, oh, yeah, that's a very powerful feeling to finally be seen. I'm like, I guess, you know, I'll never know because it's not like I haven't ever felt unseen. I mean, well, that's, that's just exactly like, you know, we've always been seen. Right. You know, we complain that we've not been seen, but what we actually mean is like, when was the last time someone wrote about someone who was born in Scotland then moved to America? Right. You know? Right. As opposed to, you know, a straight white cis guy. Well, I mean, there's still such a tremendous amount of ridiculous animosity going on. Not animosity, but maybe animus. I don't know. From dudes from my generation who are like... I wasn't seen because I wasn't the traditional football playing jock. Like, you know what I mean? I was still a white guy, but I mean, it, 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 there, I think there is something to be said where the default modes of masculinity were so narrow when you and I were young men that I did feel invisible, you know, to the point where, again, these ideas of, 
superheroes and and people who are unseen but have special things inside them. I mean, admittedly, that's a story that resonates for all kids, depending exactly. on how and it's that, framed. And that, and that is, but that is directly speaking to exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, where where the people who are us mm-hmm. are the secret identities of the of the recognized traditional masculine stereotypes, yeah. like Peter Parker. You right. know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like is is explicitly that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. As as in a sort of more comically broad way is Clark Kent, you know. And so I I I feel like that is, you know, again that idea of like, oh, you're you're really the special one to get back to Harry Potter is very much baked into um children's literature and I guess in in a way children's insecurity. But I mean, there is a way. There's just not the. There's there just like I don't particularly feel like the range of um, roles for masculine masculinity in uh, pop culture has grown wide is is very wide. But I do feel like maybe it's one to four, one to three, where it was previously like. Zero one. to two, yeah, or one. But I mean, but but at the same time, I feel like I can say that and recognize that, and also feel that it's ludicrous to in any way compare that to women or people of color, and you know, or people of alternate sexualities, or any of the other things who have to deal with pop culture, like from when we were growing up to when we are now. So yeah, in a way, part of me is like, yeah, bitch planet. Sure. I can see that that's, you know, if it was a list of like, these are my favorite comics, like the top hundred favorite comics, you know, it's, it's, but you know, to, to sort of list it as the top hundred comics. I mean, honestly, I'm at that point where maybe I think I'm just becoming, um, uh, self doubting to the, to the, to the point of uh, of muteness, but I I would feel I don't know I would feel very weird about my top ten list. Like even my top ten favorite list, I think I could piece one together. But like the top ten best comic books, I think that would be. Well, that, that, is that not one of the reasons why you didn't do a, a top ten of the year? Well, how do I put it? The top ten of the year was definitely for this year. Like if someone asked me to put together a top 10 list for, you know, top 10 comic books, you know, for the, I don't know, the medium or whatever, I would feel like I could sort of wing my way through it. I, I it, it is sort of the same, I guess it, it comes from the same impulse. I just, part of me is aware that the, the extent to which I would, I would say putting together a list of top 10 comics, um, uh, uh, for the medium is a more daunting challenge than I think it would have been 20 or 30 years ago. And part of that may have been like, Oh, back then I was younger and more filled with piss and vinegar slash. I didn't know enough. I was ignorant enough to think that I could assemble that list and it would have some bearing. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think actually happily enough, there's a lot to be said for the medium has continued to grow and change and expand over the last 20 or 30 years i don't think hawkeye number six is it you know but (laughs) well that's just it it's so fascinating to me that like even with this new generation Mm -hmm. um there's i it is it's it's a marvel and dc list Mm -hmm. and honestly like i said i'm stunned by the amount of grant morrison in the top 20 Mm -hmm. like genuinely i think there's like six books 
Yeah, well... And I, I took her on. I love Grant Morrison. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, did I tell you that I got... I don't think I did. I uh, I got criticized for... Uh, people were talking about this, this before it ran uh, on Twitter. And someone said, uh, woe to anyone whose list is only male creators. And I was like, my list is only male creators. And they actually were like, you need to do penance. Wow. Which, as, like, that, like, actually upset me. I was like, penance? Really? But what's really interesting to me is, if it had been comics and graphic novels, or if it had been runs as opposed to single issues, mm-hmm. my list would have been dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and would have create, contained female creators. But, you know, Eleanor Davis's You and a Bacon Road is a graphic novel. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, Nimona is a graphic novel, well, and so it, it's, it's such an interesting thing. I don't know. It, it's just, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's it. Like, how how quickly do you have to run outside those margins? You know, to find something. I mean, admittedly, you're a fan of of G. Willow Wilson. You know, uh, so. But I mean, I I think that it does get a little thing. Like Miss Miss Marvel is is great or at least the first like the first issues of that are great but at the same time it's a good spider-man comic yeah yeah do you know what i mean it's like i couldn't legitimately say it's it's one of the top 10 single issues to me right because it's a like it's a good like comic of a particularly uh popular and well-worn trope it's a good example of it but i don't see why that would make it you know best no i agree i i i kind of agree i i I also think that of course there's a lot of ways to divvy up divvy up that list how it gets chosen i mean at at the risk of of um dragging us off topic because i do think that it's what you're saying is interesting i just unfortunately probably don't realize how to vamp on it enough one thing that did strike me is like i'm i'm intrigued that a out of that top 30 there's no there's like one title by garth ennis and there's no warren ellis in there um, i don't i'm not i'm not sure if there's any Warren ellis in the entire list to be honest with i you. cannot imagine at least from the generation that is submitting this that like next wave agents of hate number one didn't make the okay top i'm i'm 100. now i'm now literally looking up or planetary number one or something like that to right? try and find some more in Ellis. Let's see. Because I think I, the idea that neither Ennis nor Ellis place, you know, I mean, Ennis gets one title in there in the top 30, and it's Hitman, which... I, I oh, mean, wait, Trans, Transmetropolitan's in there. Oh, it is. Okay. Wait, yeah, but not trans, in the top 30, though, No, right? it's, it's 32. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm shaking my head at some of the ones I'm scrolling past. Oh, come on. You gotta, you gotta shout some out, Graham. Nope. Good and bad. Oh. Nope. Oh. I'm not gonna shout at the ones, the ones I'm shaking my head at. Ah. Nope. Although some of them, I mean, really. I, no, you know what? I am gonna call this one out because I don't fucking understand it. Hulk the End, The Last Titan by Peter David and Dale Keown. How huh? did it end up in the list? How? How did that end up in the list? I, I'm like, did that, like, does it take two votes to break the top 50? Did that break the top 50? 
Uh, no, it's like 57. Oh, okay. Did it take two votes to crack the top 60? Is that what it is? It's Everything like 60 is, and below Lover is, is like... 70, by the way. Oh, God. It oh. Eight follows at 67. Ooh, but ah. Uh, two places above um, eight ball? Mm-hmm. Deadly class issue 21. <laughs> Loving Rockets number uh, news stories number four is at sixty three. Ooh, at sixty three. Yeah. And also, part of me is like that particular issue. I'm like, huh? Yeah, maybe it really is two people. Fucking hell. Ooh. Preacher, there's another issue. Preacher at seventy four. Wow. Wow. Two issues, two comics by Garth Ennis in the top seventy five. Man, that's yeah. interesting. Um, let's see what else. There's Optic Nerve is 89. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating enough. His, his, his face is all, his face already. Emily Carroll's self-published is at 86. Woof. And I love Emily Carroll, but I'm surprised like even, I'm surprised that I ended up on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, it was still beaten by Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore. <laughs> Right? Yeah, well, at least that didn't beat out Love and Rockets, which wouldn't surprise me. Boy. Okay, I'm willing to bet that, like, the bottom part of this list is only one vote. It's got to be. The reason I say that the reason I say that is something I gave a vote to ended up on the top 100, and I'm fairly sure I'm the only one who read it because Steve couldn't even find it to write about it. Ooh. Which, is, which was really surprising to me because, like, it's been reprinted a bunch – um, Graffiti Kitchen. Eddie Campbell's Graffiti Kitchen. Holy shit, really? Oh my god. I mean, and that's in like all of the Alec collections. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I know what you mean. I just, although I do sometimes, I do wonder. Because I do feel like you're the only person I, I know who ever Which references. read them. <laughs> well, yeah, well, the Alec stuff, I don't think that I've read all of it. But I've read a, I've read a good chunk and I certainly did make it through Graffiti Kitchen, which is uh, crazy. That's crazy to me. Um, yeah, so yeah, Alice has one book on there, and it looks like Ennis is two. <laughs> there, there, is, there is no next wave on there. Moo. Wow. Wow. Well, A, I clearly don't know this audience as much as, as well as I thought. B. Oh, no, I, no, I think you're, I think your guess was right. Because next wave took over the internet at that point when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it still comes up a lot as like, but from a certain generation again. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Well, it's funny. basically the, mm-hmm. basically the generation of like the early the first wave of comic bloggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which this clearly, uh, I think, is not. Wow. Well, I do wonder what that means. Does this just mean that Ellis and Ennis are just gonna kind of fade away? You know, as, to be honest, like hasn't Ennis. Like I'd say, I'd say hasn't Ellis, but I don't know. Maybe Ellis hasn't. Uh, maybe Ellis hasn't. But, but, um. Yeah, I mean, what, what was the last big Ennis book that was not Punisher book? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like I, it. It depends. Again, it's it's how do you define these things? Like, I feel like the people that I follow, there was a lot of uh fury my war gone by and and i think that that was great but 
But I don't really know that when I'm like, yeah, and there were tons of people talking about it. I mean, that means, what, four people on my feed? So, I mean, the anecdotal evidence is really weak there. But part of me is also kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, part of me thinks that on the one hand, you've got someone like Ellis who still comes out and produces, you know, the miniseries that he's never going to finish, you know? Like well, no, the, the, re the reason I was actually keeping Ellis in there is because, I know a lot of people are really digging the Wildstorm right now. Uh, right. So he's got the Wildstorm, and I feel like I don't see a lot of buzz on that, but every once in a while it'll sort of pop up and people are like, I'm into it, you know. Or, again, people who kind of dug trees. I kind of dug trees, or was it mm -hmm. trees, you know, for the first or issue or two. Or which one? Yeah. You know? Uh, so I, I occasionally I feel like Ellis can sort of – catch people's attention but i am really shocked that it, in a way that there's no that there's not more books on there i guess you know that or or if nothing else there is a little bit of despite everything i'm saying about like well these sure seem like kids who you know the the fact that morrison places so well and yet ellis and ennis don't is but morrison is placing so well with like his mainstream work for one of a better way well that's it. true there's no invisibles in there is there i mean the closest I don't think you so. get is the closest you get is like yeah yeah or like the, the last issue of doom patrol do you know what i mean like right. they're, they're they're pretty mainstream works yeah and ennis much more than alice even these days has written himself out of the comics mainstream yeah i think so i think i think that's very safe to say or he just he does he doesn't really have a place in it and yet uh, it's fascinating. But that's to me. that's what I mean by written himself out. Like Ennis these days, pretty much is content to, you know, write the Punisher when he needs the money, and then otherwise write like you know, it's the war. <laughs> right. Well, no, but I. But by the same token, like uh, you could, I mean, you can't really say this in the same way about. Gaiman, but the fact that Neil Gaiman's work is basically Sandman from that era. In other words, I guess I'm saying you and I know from doing that reread with Matt uh, on the website that Preacher did not age well, you know? No. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And I kind of am getting the impression of like, oh, when we say it doesn't age well, I think that also means that it's not like, oh, it's a young man's book and when you're an old guy, you know better. I think it's starting to be more like no, this is just not like this, you know, despite the fact that they're, you know, AMC is moving into a third season on a very revised version of it. It seems like it's not a uh, it's 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 not a it's not a keeper. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the oh, yeah, there's that one episode of Preacher well, that, that, that I read. That's, yeah, mm -hmm. that's just it. Like, you know, it, it's uh, Preacher was an evergreen book, or that's what that's what a certain generation thought. Yeah, that's what a generation Preacher, right. Preacher was evergreen in yeah. the same way that Sandman was evergreen, in right. the same way that uh, 100 Bullets was evergreen. I mean, note that no 100 Bullets turned up on that list either. Oh, yeah, right. Is there any – I would be shocked if there was any Azzarello in there at all. No, there's not. No, right. there's not. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I mean, that I, at that point, you start being like, huh. You know, Serapis the Artvark was considered an evergreen for a long time, too. You know what I mean? And I just think that that's also going, you know, uh, it'd be interesting to compare Preacher to Serapis in, in, in yeah, I suppose, other ways, possibly. But certainly in that way of like, oh, yeah, like times do change. And there is stuff that 
And the, the canon changes. Yeah, the canon changes. And I think should. I mean, there's stuff in Preacher that I like. There's stuff in Cerebus. Because it's funny. I do remember how often like people are like, well, you know, that one issue of Cerebus where he's lost his mind and he's wandering around talking to himself. And it's the, you know, then it folds out into one enormous image or whatever. It's still... You know, people are like, well, of course, I mean, that's going to make the list. But I mean, that's the great thing about the list is like, no, you know, this is, again, one of the things that really bums me out uh, uh, about the fact that I is that I stumble closer to illiteracy every day is I feel that if I had actually uh, read. um, God, I almost got his name wrong, too. I was going to say Chuck Polinick, but um, who's the other Chuck? Chuck Klosterman? Yes, Chuck Klosterman's uh, But What If We're Wrong, which is a book-long argument that is essentially that that critics are are wrong about their culture more often than not. And what really ends up surviving through the decades is, is not the work that gets lauded, you know, that he's like... 100, 200 years from now, it's going to be Billy Joel, who none of the critics ever liked ever, you know, who's going to outlive everyone, you know, and and going on and talking about the ways in which we deeply misunderstand. You look at the you look at the books that were highly lauded at the beginning of the 20th century or at the end of the 18th century or, you know, the the bestsellers and they're just they're just gone. You know, whereas the thing that was kind of a weird marginalist success, you know, uh, ends up surviving forever or alternately. But but is is that not like the, the it's not just a way of culture? Well, I think that's it is, is that we don't we we honestly don't know. Like culture, like everything else, is something that we like to pretend that we have control over. And in fact, I I uh, sort of believe the older that 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 it's more important now than ever before which is which is why there's so many ridiculous fights on twitter is that it's more important than ever before that we believe that we have some sort of control over culture and pop culture but and but the fact is we don't um we really have no fucking idea which is why some book will suddenly come out of nowhere and take everything by storm or ultimately despite how much everyone fucking bitches and complains harry potter is going to be an important book in people's lives for fucking ever and it doesn't matter how often you know because i was reading there were some i'm sure you saw them there's there's the for whatever reason this was the week for um people finally got brave enough to to finally take their swings at harry potter you know that they, they... Oh, I, I honestly didn't see that oh I, really I people have been taking swings at harry potter for a while haven't they uh, yeah they have people have been dunking on harry potter for a while but um especially around the the time of the elections and things but but i really feel like for whatever reason i saw two things which were people and it's weird like i'm i know there were two separate takes but I honestly have conflated them so much. Uh, one person was basically saying, like, you know what? Harry Potter is a it's it's just it's, you know, it's it's a crappy materialist fantasy. It's the traditional like, again, kids who feel that they're special, you know, um, 
are proven and then they're, you know, because the owl shows up and invites them to Hogwarts or whatever. And then when you get to Hogwarts, essentially that the whole uh, Harry Potter milieu is a completely materialistic and it's all about cool items and things and that that Harry and his group are are all you know kind of like Star Wars like they're everyone's all nobility you know that they're mm-hmm. that 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 it they're all secret princes or princesses with the exception of the occasional person like Hermione who's allowed Hermione who's who's allowed to you know hang out with the exceptional people because she's so smart which is again sort unexceptional of, yeah yeah you know, uh, uh, you know, so anyway, right. Maybe, maybe the, the Harry Potter haters, the, the hater Potters, Potter haters have been there, have been there all along. So it's just, I feel like for whatever reason, plus there's a bunch of stuff about the toilets where I was just like the toilet. Yeah. I saw the toilet stuff. That's why I thought you were talking about it first. No, no, for, no, for no. people who, who have not, who don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> something from Pottermore basically said, now, Jeff, you're going to have to help me here. Was it? Toilets didn't exist for wizards. I don't know. Because they magicked away their shit. It was something yeah, like that, something right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe Which was like right. the, the weirdest like world building thing ever. <laughs> How are we going to make this world seem more real? Well, we'll tell everyone that mm, wizards don't use toilets. Right. They, they just like, I don't know, like shit normally, but then magic it away. I just, I, part of me is like, where, when did this come up? Like, why do we have to, to, why do we have to separate the wizards out from the rest of the people who are shitting? Like, I just don't, I don't understand. I, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's part of that thing of like, once you're able to wizard away your shit, like, and I assume that that auto wipes your ass and everything like that, that you have more time to like become a superior magician or something. I don't know. It's just, it does. It does feel like one of those weird details. That being said, one of the things that helped me is both of my brothers have read the Harry Potter books and enjoyed them. And oh wait, you you've never read them? No, no. In fact, Edie and I just watched the movies. I thought we mentioned this on the podcast, like within yeah, the last some, six months. Yeah, but for some reason I thought you've read the books. Nah. I don't. I don't know why I thought that. No, no, no. Well, it makes sense because I sort of feel like there was a point where, like, I feel like the two big glaring pop culture emissions particularly because they were both so in my wheelhouse is i never read uh stephen king's gunslinger saga you know Mm -hmm. and uh i i harry potter i remember around the time potter mania was catching up i'm like "Eh, you know kid wizards it's young adults it's a big fast read i see no reason why i shouldn't read it i'm like "Eh, i'll get around to it when she finishes up the, the series. And then by the time she did, I was like, eh, don't care anymore. So I, I, you know, we watched the books and I was like, eh. I mean, watch the films. And there were parts of the films that I thought were interesting. And I'm also aware that it's kind of, um, you know, the films, God help you because the material that they're adapting is so expansive you're just getting such a – it's like a whirlwind tour. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but by the, by the later books. Apart from – wasn't the last one like the last book was two movies? Yeah, I think so. And it still but, kind but of like, felt like you were being – Yeah, but but like before that, there really was like, you know, you're you're getting a weird, yeah. um, very stripped-down version, which was right. not always a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. Except, again, one of the things is talking to my 
to my brothers, both of whom had read them. They're like, yeah, you know, my, my brother Tim's like, one of the things that he felt the movies missed were kind of the sort of the charming English whimsy, I, I suppose. You know, he's like, you get a little bit of it in the movies, but he's like, each of those books, part of why they were so goddamn huge was he felt like they kind of had a little bit of everything. That being said, I'm I'm acting like you haven't read them. Have you read them, Graham? Did yeah, you read no, them? I have. Oh, I see. Oh, interesting. I I, I, no, I, I I won't swear to this. I know I've read all the books. I think I've seen all the movies. Uh huh. I might be wrong. Mm. Um, I yeah, they're they're. Do you ever like you obviously don't because you didn't read the books, but like I'm sure you have read things because everyone else is talking about them. Or watch things because everyone else is talking about as opposed to like you got any real pleasure out of them yourself. Yes and no. I mean, part of it, part of me is going to be like Graham. You just described my last twenty years of comics, but I'm I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, no, but but like, but that's basically my experience with the Harry Potter. Right, right. Like it was, it was, it was a dominant force, mm-hmm. and I was like, sure, I'll keep up. But like, I'd I'd be lying if I said that I particularly liked them. Huh. See, because that's interesting, because I think of you as very much like, um, I remember, of course, like Game of Thrones, where everyone on the planet has watched Game of Thrones. Here's the thing, like, I watched the first episode, two episodes. Right. Like, actively disliked it. Yeah, and that's... That's different for me between, like, I'm not getting much out of this, and I don't like it. Like, I actively, it's distasteful to me. Yeah, Yeah, if I don't like it, I'm not going to keep going. Okay, but in terms of, eh, it's... To be honest, it's much easier to read Harry Potter books and get them at the library than it was to watch Game of Thrones. Like, (laughs) no, I remember, like, waiting for the first disc of Netflix and it just taking forever. Right, right, that makes sense. You know, and so Mm. it's much easier to just be like, nah, (laughs) no. No, not going to happen. Huh. Okay. Well, it, it's interesting to me because I sort of naturally assume, like, eh. Also, because it just seemed, I don't know, it just it seemed like a lot. That being said, I think I told you. I was, like seven mammoth books. Well, yeah, that's it. I just looked at that and I'm just like, ah. again, it was shocking to me because as someone who, you know, really feels like Stephen King was this weirdly, I, I say weirdly, I think this is really common for a certain stripe of people, like, uh, uh, cornerstone like kind of a jumpy a good transition point for me to reading quote-unquote real literature like those big ass books like maybe he just burned it out of me because at a certain point i probably got through like i don't know it or something like that and like i'm just not doing that again like i'll tackle some stephen king stuff if it's kind of of a certain size but the whole idea of like hooray it's a book that's bigger than my torso like no longer really appealed so yeah looking at some of the harry potter stuff i was like well they're they're long books yeah they're big and they keep get they did they got huge and again people seemed really into them and uh you know in a way that i was like i guess this is fine like i mean you know there's there's uh, one of the things that i liked about watching the the movies is it i I kind of appreciated how much like unlike someone like uh gaiman i guess like rowling struck me as someone who and and i could totally be wrong but let's just say that learning that she had also written mysteries novels under a pseudonym made a lot of sense to me because admittedly it's probably the way that the the 
movies have to structure themselves or it's a structure that they seize on. But there's usually really standard mystery tropes and or spy novel stuff in there. There's a lot of Jean Le Carre in the later <laughs> Harry Potter novels in a way that I was like, oh, I'm into the idea of Le Carre as an influence uh, uh, as opposed to, you know, Amanda Palmer's boobies. You know, it's like that is an influence that I am interested in. So, you know. I'm actually lying. I have actually looked at pictures of Amanda Palmer's boobies, and I think I'd probably be <laughs> a little more into that as an inciting uh, element in Gaiman's novels other than like, oh, you know, I bet you don't remember this story by shit, Wade Manley Wellman, Manley Melman, M- Man, Man, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> It's Wade Manley Melman, you know, the guy. Shit, Graham, hold on. Fuck. It's Manly Mayonnaise. (laughs) Who who are you talking about? I'm talking about Manly Wade Wellman. I can't believe I fucking got the name right and you, like, shamed me by... Manly, okay. I'm actually having to Google this right now. Manly Wade Wellman. I can't believe that. What's great is I, I know literally, literally when this had to Google that. When the stroke happens, it will be exactly like this. <laughs> except what I was saying it will actually genuinely be gibberish. Manly Wade Wellman is like a science fiction and fantasy writer. I've, who... I've just discovered. I've just found him out. Also. Um, his three most famous recurring pro- uh, protagonists are John the Balladeer, a.k.a. Silver John. Silver John, the, the, yes. Cult detective Judge Pursuivant and John Thunstone. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, although people are – I don't know how people feel about Judge Pursuivant or John Thirdstone, but Silver John is – is it, was a – pretty strong influence on i feel like a certain generation of american sci-fi and fantasy writer of which i firmly suspect gaiman you you could lump gaiman in there although i'm sure gaiman would be like no 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 i was much more into the i'm just a a gentle storyteller (laughs) well see that's it manly wade woman kind of sort of has that you know, he's kind of got some of that stuff where it's, again, as you can get the fact that Silver John is one of his reoccurring characters. Like, there's a little bit of the, oh, you've got a gentle sense of whimsy and you read all 365, you know, volumes of so-and-so's folktales and you memorized the Golden Bough before you were 10. Brother, have I got an author for you, you know, kind of guy. So... <laughs> Oh, Jeff. Yeah. We, we've ended up some down some rhetorical cul-de-sacs this evening. We certainly have, I, and we keep meandering down them. It was kind of great where we alternate between... Finally, Wade Wellman might be the greatest, because I honestly thought that you were making up a name. I swear to God, I've never heard of him before. But just because you said Manly Wade Wellman, I really thought that you were making a Mark Wade joke. <laughs> Everyone remembers Manly Wade. Okay, so did Wade make it on there in the top hundred? Is like Kingdom Come so. number no. four? Like... No, I don't, I don't think I don't think there's any Wade on there. Really? Wow, man. There was that period where I feel like you know, 
Hawkeye and then sort of Wade's Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. It, and I say it's Wade, but kind of like what's great is, is we keep saying Hawkeye, like we're, you know, like everyone else, we're like, oh, Deconic's Bitch Planet. Like Hawkeye is one of those books where I'm like, uh, like in that entire list, I've never been more aware of my, oh, I'm talking about the writer bias. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like. Hawkeye is David Aja's book. You oh, yeah. Know? oh, yeah. And yeah. that's very important. To like, why is Pizza Dog on there? It's not because of my fraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of, kind of, maybe. But, like, in terms of who did the – not just who did the heavy lifting, but who did the heavy lifting and made it look easy. Like, that was that was, that was Aja, you know? So, yeah. it was in the sense of, like, fraction is someone who, you know – in in a Stan Lee like way was savvy enough to realize what their collaborator were capable of doing, I suppose. But yeah, uh, it's like, oof. Um, hmm, yeah, I can't believe that I, I managed to swing back to take a couple of stabs at that. But I guess I just had that moment of like, yeah, I Wade, huh? Between kingdom come and, uh, and the daredevil stuff, I really thought he would have, or even the, those of us who really love parts of the flash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's weird, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's but it's. I mean, that's the thing. That really is an odd list, and and I think is a list that this is true of all lists. But I think that it's sure. a list that very much shows the biases of those who responded. Sure. You know. And do you do you have a sense? I mean, and that's the weird part. Can you articulate I don't, I don't what have, those biases might be? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I I I, I can't. Which is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly feel like there's, like I said, I feel like there's two generations. I feel that there's my generation, and I feel that there's, like, a generation of, like, early to mid-20s writers. Mm-hmm. And that there's literally, like, you know, a decade of, of, of missing mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, you know, I'm saying a decade of missing, cause, but it's more than a decade. Like, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, that, that was just my feeling. Mm-hmm. Well... Uh, okay. Well, th- I, that's good to know. Cause again, I, I'm like, yes, the spices, but then it's that weird thing of just the idea that we can't really articulate them. I always feel like, oh, that's where, that's where the olds really start to come out. You know, it's like, I can't even imagine what they were thinking. Well, no, cause, cause no, but really it's, it, cause, but we kind of touched on it. Like, you yeah. know, the idea that, that, um, like Captain Marvel and, and Bitch Planet and, right. and Miss Marvel and Hawkeye are, or touchstone books. Yeah. Uh, I think speaks to a particular audience. Like, mm-hmm. cause to me, they're not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I can think of books that did the same thing before that. And so these books didn't like, don't have the same resonance for me at all. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know? So I, I think it is, it's, and, and it's, it's, I, I'm simultaneously complaining and trying not to complain. Cause I think it's a good thing that these books have this resonance for people in a way that they just can't do for me. So uh, I want to ask, cause again, I'm completely slow and for whatever reason, I obsessive. You said, so you submitted your list of your 10 comics to this. Yes. List, yes. And you, uh, not all of them made it onto the list, right? Or did they? Uh, no, I mean, you guardians right. definitely didn't. For love okay. God. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so someone else must have been done with graffiti kitchen, but, so, but, but what? Well, do- not, necess- not necessarily, because no? I ranked them ten to one. So oh. for all I know, like you gave them points. Right. I don't know how Which we work sense. that system. Right. So I guess my question was going to be, what is the highest ranking book on your list? On your list, sorry, 
on your list, what is the book that you chose that ranked highest in the top 100 list? Mm, oh god no, gonna... was that omac number one or no i think i think i put all-star superman on there oh, okay I'm, I'm trying to like i'm actually trying to find my list to look um let's see my list what's the highest ranking one um oh invisibles did end up on there sorry invisibles issue 12 did end up on the list oh okay good um, hmm. I didn't put All Stars of Might on there. That's interesting. Um, it's probably I can't remember. Did I say Flex Mentallo or Omac scored uh, scored higher? I believe Flex Mentallo four scored then, higher then than Flex, Omac. Then Flex Mentallo is the one, my one okay. that scored higher. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Because I think that one did crack the top twenty, and Omac was like you said, number twenty eight or. 29 or 27 or something yeah like that, so. uh, my top 10 is uh, in descending order new guardians 1 right <laughs> invisibles 12 uh-huh uncanny x-men 185 which is literally there purely because that's the comic where i decided i was going to collect comics wow and i remember that really clearly um or else issue 2 the Hizanga book mm-hmm. uh, deadline deadline issue 5 mm-hmm which is there purely because it was my first Deadline issue. Mm-hmm. And Deadline is a series where I discovered Jamie Hewlett, where I discovered Nick Abadzis, where I discovered Philip Bond, where, you know, all these people, Shaky Kane, um, wow. Evan Darkin, I discovered through there. Uh, it was the first place I read Love and Rockets. Wow. You know, so so Deadline is like a big thing for me. Yes. Yeah, um, Mr. Miracle issue 10, mm-hmm. which is there purely for the Barda bit in there, in that mm-hmm. issue. That's um, 10... Uh, King and Gerard or Kirby? Yeah, King and Gerard. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, remember the Barda scene where she essentially is just like, what about me? Yeah. Like you, like you think you think you're the protagonist and you're not the protagonist. You think you're more important than me. If we're partners, you're just taking advantage of me. Right. What the f- is going on? Mm-hmm. Like it floored me. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely floored me. Um, Flex Mentello 4, mm-hmm. Omak 1, mm-hmm. Dork Issue 7. The oh, Dork. Nice. Um, and Graffiti Kitchen issue one. Wow. Hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, please, if you don't mind, Graham, uh, if you could if you could shoot me that in the email, I'll throw that in the show notes. Um, sure. Yeah, because I think that'd be that'd be fun to include, especially since God help us, we're this really did turn out being the all top one hundred list discussion. I figured we would be talking no, about and no, arguing so many things. Yeah. We're going to be talking about something else, Jeff, the thing that you've oh, not wanted to talk God. about. Do we have to? Shit. All right. Okay. Here's the thing. I think we do because I don't know if you saw this. Someone asked us on Tumblr to talk about it. Really? I did not see that. Yeah. Um, the thing I'm talking about, the thing that Jeff doesn't want to talk about mm. is Abby Kozla's uh, Tumblr post about Tom King. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious, Jeff. Where have you fallen on it now? Um, because when it first was published, I told you, like, I was really having problems with it. Oh, I like, know. I, having, I was having problems, like, parsing how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel far more negatively towards it now. Oh, that's funny, because you struck me as going from zero to uh, – okay. With, with all the goodwill in the world, Graham, I actually felt that you went so quickly from conflicted – to negative about it that I thought the conflicted oh, no, that, was just a was just a faint. 
no, conflicted was conflicted was really true. Okay. Well, and that's and, and then and then the more I thought about it, the more it upset me. Yes. Uh, and the more in bad faith the entire thing felt. Well, like I said, I feel like I saw you making statements of that within like about I felt like 2 hours of you saying like I don't understand this, can someone explain it to me? So, uh I'm sure Abe is smart enough. I know he occasionally listens to this podcast to not be listening to this. So I think so. If not, though, Abe, I think maybe you should just take a pass. I don't know. He's he's always been pretty smart about this sort of thing before. I personally think, Graham, that unlike you, I do not see the bad faith in it. There was a point where I referred to it as, you know, like I'm like, I don't. I felt that if it was in bad – there was a lot of things that Abe could have done in bad faith. For those people who have no idea what we're talking about, which would be kind of amazing because it did kind of blow up and do a thing. Not, Abe published would, would, a post okay. on the let, – let me let me put out the context and, and put it in as sure. plain as, – as minimal. Abe published a post on his Tumblr uh, that started – to put it mildly, very strongly uh, wondering about Tom <laughs> King's uh, employment with the CIA uh, and mentioned the fact that this was a claim that had been repeated a lot um, by uh, uh, comics journalists in the comics press that King had been a member of the CIA and was now writing for Batman. And he uh, essentially was kind of like, how do we know? That was that vetted and mentioned, of course, you know, uh, people who have stolen valor, uh, you know, uh, one of which did happen, of course, in comics um, in, within our lifetime, which is to say, oh, yeah, like only very like well, 10 years or something, which is for me sort of why it's kind of a little weird that people are like, why the fuck would you bring this up? But Abe was kind of like, I don't know how these things get vetted. So he wrote to the CIA and then he uh, prints the letter and kind of talks about the how do we know that people are doing these things, you know, quote unquote, uh, kind of in good faith who, you know, he doesn't say this. This was going to be my liberty, but kind of like, you know, who watches the Watchmen? You know, who who watches these things? And and is there was there any sort of process of vetting that went into this? Because the the. Uh, screenshots of the the letter that Abe purports to show, which he's like, I wrote the CIA. Here's the letter that I wrote. Here's the reaction that I got. I got a form letter, which had two boxes checked. And the first one was, we don't have any record of uh, Tom King working for the CIA. And the second one was, we cannot comply with your request because Tom King is not, you know, filled out a, a, a form, you know, authorizing this. So, um, Abe went on to say, like, hey, so what do we do with this information? I don't know. Can, you know, and goes on to talk about a variety of other things. Now, the part, so listeners, that's sort of you up to speed with the basics. The extended mix is that uh, I personally thought that the essay on there to me made a lot of sense for something that Abe had put. I didn't think that it was particularly much of an attack or if it was, it wasn't a bad faith attack because I felt there were enough things that Abe could have shaded or grayscaled things toward to um, make it come off even huh. more differently than it did. Uh, and, oh, okay. and then, and, and Graham uh, felt 
uh, like said, felt, as felt, he said, felt differently, confused, and then it seemed to me very differently. And in, it was interesting how quickly um, I thought that that you, Graham, were kind of like I, sort of saying like I feel like Abe's essay was the sort of thing that is calculated to um, uh, meet with approval by a certain audience. Um, and then weirdly, like I said, like it, it, the, the, it felt for me like your statements from I'm conflicted to this is just bad and it's bad faith. Like I said, felt very short, very strong and seemed to be met with an equal amount of, uh, vituperativeness, uh, by other people that we know in a way that I found, uh, kind of surprising. So. You you got you got very upset at at some of the conversation. It felt like I was like I, like, I like genuinely was. upset. I, I was I was genuinely alternating between being dismayed and really angry because I felt in some ways people were kind of uh I, I just I just yeah there were there were a lot of things that were really pushing my buttons. And that being said, part of that is. I, I know Abe, at least to uh, a very minor extent, you know, like l having literally met him in person like three times, but would gladly do so again in a heartbeat. And as someone who I've swapped emails with, have, you know, collaborated on projects with and, you know, consider him a colleague in the sense that we were writing in Savage Critics and someone who I think is generally a, a, a incredibly brilliant writer. There's shit that he does that just really does wow me and so to say that i'm in the tank for abbe uh is i think is is i i think has to be stated cannot probably be stated enough and so the one idea the, that we were going to talk about this was kind of like a, i just don't know how this is not going to go dramatically wrong <laughs> one of the things that made me so like conflicted at the start mm-hmm was the fact that, like, to a far lesser extent than you, like, I have interacted with Abby, and I I considered him a colleague. Right. You know, if not a peer, you know, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like, this weird thing where it's like, I kind of know him. I internet know him. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, And that was in, that was in strong conflict with what I felt was this, like, weird, passive-aggressive, like, trolling that this, this story was. Uh-huh. And and then ultimately what happened was like I just more and more was like, but it is trolling. <laughs> I'd like that that's like that's where the the I don't know, that's that's where the shift happened for me. Like it was one of those things where you see something and you instinctively are like, No, I don't like that. And then you're just pulled back being like, But no, like this person's cool. Uh huh. Do you know what I mean? And then you're like, But I still but I really don't like it, but I really don't like it, but I really don't like it. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. But part of me is like, how do I put this? Aren't there lots of reasons why you really wouldn't like it that don't necessarily have anything to do with whether he's trolling? Oh yes, but I, that's why that's the trolling aspect is why I think it's about. I think the post was made in bad faith. I think there are things in there that, if the um, how can I put this? I think part of Appy's appeal, as a uh, in most of his writing, mm -hmm. is the snark and, to an extent, the trolling. Mm -hmm. Is the sense of 
of being simultaneously removed or above the fray enough that he can distance himself from what he's commenting on while making comments that only someone who really pays too much attention would recognize. Right. Right. And one of the things that actually amused me in a terrible way was the number of people who got caught up in his Gerard Way joke. Mm, yes. Because <laughs> a lot of people were like, well, he's just like, he he doesn't even know that Jerry Way was in My Chemical Romance. He just said a ska band. And it's like, dude, it's a joke. Like, it's right. really clearly a joke. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. Um, but it's, um, but it was, like, it still strikes me as a very trolley post. And there's lots of things in there that make me think that he knew exactly what he was doing at all points. And so that means that the things that upset me were not accidents, mm-hmm. but were done on purpose, which underlines my sense of that he was trolling. Hmm. Right? Things like the CIA letter. A, we have no idea if it's legit, which mm-hmm. even feeds into his point. If his point is, why should we believe Tom King? Then equally, why should we believe Abby? Right? Well, it, not necessarily. Well, no. I don't think that that's but necessarily why? his point. Well, I'm just saying. Well, is that, is that not, it might not be his point. It might not be his main point. But is it not one of the takeaways? It's uh, one of the takeaways that we should not take people on their word and ask for verification. Uh, well, and, sure. And that's why. And that's why he wants the uh, more independent verification journalism, right? Right. Am I misunderstanding? No, 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 no. So, so, I think so, right. so, yeah. so taking so taking that to its its, its like the next stage. Why should we believe Abby? We have no independent verification of anything he says either. But even if you grant that's true, mm-hmm. the CIA letter is clearly a mistake. What do you mean? Because you can't simultaneously say he's not here and he didn't sign a release. I, I, like they're in action. So one of those things is wrong. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So using that as a centerpiece for your argument of, well, clearly he didn't work in the CIA, or did he? And, like, it's – that feels astonishingly weak. And he knows it's so weak that he adds in a legal disclaimer <laughs> saying that, that, like, he's not disparaging this. Like, when you add in the legal disclaimer, I feel like you really know that that's exactly what you're doing and you're adding this thing to get stop yourself from being sued. And it's like, like, let's not forget, he's a lawyer, Jeff. He knows what he's doing. Okay, yes, he's a lawyer. Yes, he knows what he's doing. See, Graham, people sue people for for libel sure. and slander all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's I going to build those disclaimers in there. But I sure, think, but that, no, 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 like but that, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he does. Right. I don't understand that your thing is is like, oh, Abby knows what he's doing. He does know what he's doing. And again, part of me is like, that's why I honestly feel that if if Abby was doing something that was designed to uh, attack Tom King, like and like I said, because I said at one point, like, you know, I don't think he's striking from the shadows. And you're like, I think that's exactly what he's doing. I'm like. I didn't reply to that, but I'm like, I don't feel, and admittedly, you may not feel that way anymore, but I was like, he's saying things under his own name. If he really wanted that, oh, why didn't... Okay, is that your version of... Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that... I, I was taking what you're saying the wrong way in that case. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's the thing of, like, he's yeah, he's not he's not leaking this stuff in the internet. For that matter, he's showing a CIA letter where 
because it's two checkboxed options, he could have easily redacted it so it was just that first one, and we would never know, and he could still put in the rest of the disclaimer in there. And to me, the point is he's being provocative. He's pushing provocation, and it is this point of his his larger point, really, I don't feel is is was Tom King in the CIA you know, no, his, but his larger point was we shouldn't believe anyone. We should want more. Uh, we should want stronger journalism and independent verification, right? One of the things that he says is we shouldn't necessarily trust someone. Like, uh, uh, yes, agreed, but also especially when there's a profit in it. And part of me is like, I don't really see where there's much profit for Abe in it. Apart, you know, unless you're really like he's trolling for the lulls. And like, oh no, there, there, but there is there is uh, social currency in it. And like it, it's Why there, it, what strikes you as a guy that he's a guy who cares about social currency, though. I mean, that really is kind of a thing apart if he, from if he's not, then why did he do it at all? Because he cares about this as a point, because his whole thing that that Abbe has gone on about in his various upset and distress over the way that D.C. is has handled or covered up. Uh, like stuff like Eddie Braganza is precisely the fact that the, that, that the industry itself is a toxic swamp and it is precisely because people let themselves be marks and just believe what people are telling them when those people can profit from it. And like I said, I don't really feel like Abe's seems to have much point in social profit. Like I kind of feel that Abbe, like, like if we can't, I don't think, sadly, we could name the names here uh, online because I think that it would actually get me in trouble. But I think that you and I could actually <laughs> name names. Right. I honestly do not believe that Abbe is one of those people because he's been relatively consistent. And maybe that's my thing is, is like for those people. And this is what dismays me as frustrated as I was by people who were like. Um, sort of talking about Abe as some random who was going after Tom King, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, but for the people who know him, and again, this this is my bias as a guy who like goes to his Tumblr like three or four times a day <laughs> just in the hopes that he's posted some sort of amusing punchline to something. Um, I feel like he's pretty consistently like his, his like, Above it allness is to me very much a certain degree of discomfort of being in, you know, quote unquote, the, the power position of 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 holding like he holds judgment. But a I think he's a good enough. Uh, I think one of my failings as a uh, writer and a an expressor of thoughts is, is that I, you know, he cuts through a lot of the wiggle word stuff. Like he'll, he'll say like this and this is bad. And then if he's got a caveat, it's like, admittedly, I'm a bad person who likes bad things. So I'm not really one to talk, but dot, 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 close the parentheses is like kind of standard ab hay speak. You know, I personally feel that this is a guy who a first and foremost, um, when he wants to say things, he's always inevitably like, ah, but it's got to be, it's got to be funny. Like it can't just not be funny. And I think that he's had 
like comedy is a very important thing to him. And so therefore, like I said, that part about Gerard Way, you know, he's always going to have jokes. He's always going mm-hmm. to have stuff that is funny. But I also sure. feel like that has a tendency to mitigate the way things come out so that it's like, oh, he's being arch. Oh, he's being ironic. Oh, he's trolling for the lulls. And I don't – I just really do not see that that way. I see him as somebody who is much more uh, – can be much more upset or inflamed. Like I remember some post where someone told him – like basically was kind of like, why should I listen to what you say? You're like a lawyer. And he's like – I'm a lawyer, like kind of like he was kind of outraged. He's like, I got into law so I can help people like lawyers help people. Like maybe you don't, you know, like what they do, but they're there to like help things. They're there to facilitate and communicate. And it was like this really kind of um, it was one of the few thing moments where he was impassioned without then throwing in a dick joke at the end, you know, and so at least for me, I'm like, okay, but you know, like, I'm like, yeah, come on, guys, you know, Abbey, you know, and, and suddenly other but, people uh, on Dark okay. were kind of like, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's always been one of those guys who acted like he's above it all and, and didn't have to try. And it just, and, and I've never liked him. And it was just kind of like, what, what the fuck? So, and I'm still kind of in that default, like, what the fuck mode, you know? But wait, wait, okay. Let, let me, Okay. Why what the fuck? Because that's so different from your perspective? Yeah. That you right. don't believe it's true? or No, I guess that's it. I mean, I really am. I'm, I'm deeply surprised. Like, I kind of get that it's kind of uh, an opinion that people would have. But A, I, I, I kind of found it sort of shocking that, that people would have it, who, again, part of me is like, but if you, you know, if you read his stuff, it seems kind of quote-unquote obvious slash even if that's not the case again there's sort of the kind of weirdly collegial sort of thing from it and b i feel like and again i know that there are times where i am perhaps overly naive or really unschooled in the art of internet side eye but there i just feel like there are times where it's like i feel like this provocation is for a point and this point is about greater responsibility and yet everyone is turning around and acting like it's exactly the opposite which is weird to me you know i i can kind of see like you said your essential confusion but i felt like there was such a long period between that and you know calling it the 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 maca memoir or something like that where it's just like (laughs) i'm like whoa what you know so part of me wants me. to respond, and part of me also doesn't want to get into fight. <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, I get it, I do get it, but I. So, I mean, part of me is sort of like, I just I don't understand, and part of me really is like the fact that Tom King was like, "Here's a picture of me in our, uh, you know, holding a gun in our Iraq," which I, I got to admit, I don't think that's very convincing. But then he's got the screenshot of him like submitting his stuff to the CIA dude, where I'm like. Looks legit enough to me. I mean, it's and again, still incredibly fakeable, but probably not that much. You know, I personally would like to see someone like DC take a very simple stand. I feel like it's all very simple to 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 push it away, and I feel like that's. I okay. I, I feel I have like Abby. I, 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 I have a question. Yeah. Take Abby out of the equation for this. Mm-hmm. You want DC to make a statement on this, sure. right? Yeah. 
would you want DC to make a statement uh, about someone else on Tumblr accusing a creator of something that you don't have, you don't know the writer of? Like, I guess what I'm saying is, where's the line? Where where does DC stop making statements in responses to? people making posts on tumblr i personally think that if someone makes a post on tumblr that gains enough traction and it's something like employment that is pretty a is pretty easy to um verify i i don't i don't see a problem with that i don't i i think that there are other statements that they've you know things where they've come out and said things i mean i thought that they did amazing stuff about border town and like that wasn't even someone that was actually named was it wait what wasn't someone who's actually named? I, I mean like they didn't i don't i believe that the post didn't even actually name eric esquivel and everyone else was like "Ooh, this is eric esquivel this is very clearly <laughs> eric esquivel right i mean and yeah. dc turned but, around but and canceled that book and made it DC returnable but DC didn't make a public statement about it. They purposefully didn't. Oh, Graham. Okay. They didn't no, make no, a public I, statement. No, no, I, no, I, see, I, I, I see what no, you're saying. I understand, yes. the, I understand the parsing. Yeah. But but it, but still. I, okay. So the point is they clearly do react to elements. Sure, and I, I feel like. Go, go back to Micah Wright. They did then as well. They canceled yes, his book. That's right. They they absolutely did. I think they also made a statement. Maybe they didn't. But, you know. They did, but I could be wrong. Nah, they, you know what I mean? Because in that particular case, they clearly didn't do what, you know, they didn't do that verification. And in a way, I have to say, part of my whole thing with, with, with King is, is I'm like, well, you know, of course they would have vetted that stuff because it got burned by right. Like, and again, relatively recent memory. I do think again. Part of me is like I don't think I don't think employ just even a generic statement like DC does vet its you know the people that it hires in terms of their you know stated work history. It's not it's not a big thing you know and that's it. I feel like all the stuff that Abe is saying is is like if it if if what he it if it's a thing that King had done it's pretty big. But it is also kind of a thing that you don't know. You know what I mean? Like his whole thing I, is I, just like, it's, I don't know who vetted this. But, that, who but that's said just this? it. I, I, I think uh, I've, I have so many problems with it. Um, I don't think you can separate what you were saying is the larger point from the accusation against King. I think the way the accusation against King is framed and then withdrawn is really kind of shitty, to be honest with you. And it's pretty much going, ah, this, ah, is it nudge, nudge, wink, wink, which is pretty much making the accusation. I think putting the legal disclaimer in there is also shitty because he has essentially just made that accusation and then he's covering his ass. He's perfectly right to cover his ass. Like, he does not want to get sued over this. Sure. But I think his, his evidence is ridiculously flimsy and i think it's but you don't seem to think that he knows that or i mean he does know that but i think the fact that he did it anyway is the part that i think is shitty right and i think it plays towards the people who were already predisposed to a not liking tom king or b wanting a reason to take him down 
But as you point out, isn't a lot of the things up until that point part of the reason why people didn't like Tom King was because he's like worked for the CIA? I mean, there's some people, sure. Well, okay, so there's the the entire there's the entire arm of the internet. I say that like four people who think that Tom King's comics are a CIA psychop. Right. So I mean, so there's people there's people who think that, but you're saying that just because. There are people who don't like a person on the Internet. If you post something that challenges that person on the Internet, you're 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 trying to um, curry favor or win over the people who don't like that person. Say that again. Uh, If if. Like, like rephrase that because I, 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 I want to say yes, but I also – I like it's one of these things where I'm like – if I, I almost feel like, is this a trap? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Like, I, I mean in a way it's – in a way, admittedly, I'm, I'm asking the question in an appointed way. But like for example, if uh, – and, and this, is, this is one of those things that thanks to the miracle that is you know, the, the, the acid swamp that is comics – just by these references when Brandon Graham comes forward and says that Brian Wood uh, had harassed women in comics, Mm -hmm. a does, if Brandon Graham is doing that is, is the fact that some people don't like Brent Brent don't like Brian Wood is the fact that Brandon Graham is saying that is his attempt to curry favor with Brian Wood, or is there a larger point about, brian wood that should be addressed is is the first part i I, okay i don't see the analogy but to me you're kind of saying like and perhaps this is where i got lost you're saying that abbey posted that thing and then this weak evidence but because he knows that it's weak and he is being so um uh, wiggle wordy about it or is so willing to step back from it as soon as he throws it out there clear that 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 is a shitty thing because he's just it sort of just reinforces the idea that he's just doing it to why again like you don't believe that it's Did actually you, doing I, what he's doing you believe that he's doing it to because either he doesn't like king or he wants to curry favor with the people who don't like king no, I don't think he cares one bit about curring favor with the people who don't like King. Okay. I don't think he even really knows about the people who don't like King. Okay. Like, I, 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 if, or if he does, put it this way, I firmly believe Abe would make fun of people who think that Tom King's comics are psycho. Mm-hmm. Like, if he has not done that already, I'm sure that's to come. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to curry favor with that at all. Okay. Well, but I mean, separate from, but at the same from, time, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but at the same time, one of the things that made me go, huh, in the first place was I don't know why he did it because I don't – the way he did it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's about the – well, this is about ethics and comics journalism thing. I just don't. Mm-hmm. It, it does it, – it, that feels like an excuse rather than a point to me the way that it's written. Uh, it, feels like something, it feels like something else to cover his ass for having written the post. The, the point of the post feels like just to troll, just to be like, ah, what if he's not in the CIA? Don't you all feel stupid then? The end. So so it's basically trolling for the lulls. Yes. I see. That's that's the part that that's the part that like that's one of the parts that upset me about this. Mm-hmm. 
like there's 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 a lot more. Like honestly, the fact that he's not said anything on the subject afterwards mm-hmm. upsets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and also I don't know what he could say, but no. the fact that he's not addressed it at all genuinely upsets me. Mm-hmm. Um, even even to update the original post and say that like King posted these things, mm-hmm. like it it feels it feels irresponsible on top of the initial irresponsibility. Um, I don't know, the whole thing just, it, it honestly, the more I think about it and the more time goes on and there's no response from him, the more I think it really was just this weird thing of like throwing a grenade out there and then going, ha ha, and running away. That said, mm-hmm. I also don't think he thought it would get as big as it got. Mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, it's weird to me that it did other than it, the timing and slow news day. Well, I don't know. I mean, I personally think that the 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 I I well, okay. So here's my thing. That's I personally, Graham, think that that's kind of weird that you somehow simultaneously think that this is uh, a shitty, irresponsible, dangerous thing to do, and it's also somehow amazing that anyone paid attention to it at the I, same time. I, no, I don't think that it's. Uh... I think there's a difference between essentially saying like shittily trolling mm-hmm. when you think that essentially your friends are going to read it uh-huh. and and then lots of other people read it and it becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't see a, a disconnect there at all. Wow. For, for want of a better way of putting it, I can see this comp- – like this makes sense to me and it's one of the few ways that it does make sense to me as Ape being Ape and writing something snarky for like – you and Jog and Chris Modner mm-hmm. and like Tucker Stone to read, mm-hmm. and that's as far as he thought it was going to go. Yeah, I, it uh, maybe. I mean, it that, actually strikes me. I don't. I don't that buy that because I think it. It's. It's too long. It's kind of too. Yeah, really, I don't know. Like for Appy, it's too long. Yeah, really? yeah, Appy. Okay. No, no, I no. Because I think Ape likes writing long things sometimes. I think he like, does, but I, I feel I like within when the context he's of Ape, right? When he's trying to write something, is I guess how I put it. Like if he's going to write a long review, he's going to write a really long review. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. But that's sort of again part of me is like, yes, I think he was writing that to to for it to be written. But like I said, I feel that it's. I feel that it's provocative and it's a provocation. I do not think that that's trolling for the lulls. I think trolling for the lulls pretends that it's, you know, that it's trying to actually provoke things. And, you know, but I think. But, but that's that's where our disconnect is. You believe you uh, believe the provoc uh, the provocation. I can't even speak anymore. Do you believe that he was being sincere? Yes, in, yeah. in the same thing, and I don't, and that's that's where the disconnect is. Right, right. I, 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 I'm aware that that's where the disconnect is. I'm just, again, there's ways in which I'm, I'm still sort of surprised about it. To step back to the now that we seem to have moved is politely through the amount of um, kicking and screaming and throwing pots and pans at each other as I thought that we were going to do. You did, you, did you actually think we we're, were actually going to turn it into like a proper fight? Uh, I have to say, I was. Wow. Well, no, because a, did, did you I want a fight? No, no. That's why I didn't okay. think that it was going to. But I have to say, I was really, really upset 
at you at various points uh, during the week over this really very, very much. Um, and ultimately I think it, there's ways in which it boils down to, like you said, there's, there's, there are, there's real disconnects for us in terms of how we see this and approach that. And one of the things that I'm really glad about is there's something that's different between talking about something when you're really pissed and talking about it three or four days later. You know what I mean? So having moved through that, I think, I hope, as bad as that's going to get in terms of the emotional interaction, you had mentioned wanting to talk about this because of um, uh, tribalism, right? Which is the thing that I had missed. Um, So you would. Okay. So, so, so at some point Spurgeon like uh, links to thing. Mm-hmm. And says something subsequently, which is more or less like, I want to follow this up without any aspect of tribalism. Uh-huh. Um, and tribalism stuck in my head when I watched the various people respond to it. Mm-hmm. Because I saw like three different schools of response. Four, not four different schools of response. Uh-huh. One, people like you, people who've, who know how to pay or have been reading for a long time and who are of a peer group with Afpay, at least in terms of internet generation. Right. Right? And so implicitly trust him. Mm-hmm. Implicitly believe that he is not doing it for the laws. Right. Right? Two, people who have never heard of Afpay before this. Right. Never. Yeah. And so they do see him as a random. Yeah. Right? But you get really upset about it. You get really, really upset about that, about that because you are in this other group who does have this experience of him. Eh. You're he used to write for Comics Journal. He used to write for that. I would, I would walk that back. I was actually upset with you for kind of going, well, but isn't he a random? Like, what's he done in the last five years? Which I but was what like, I was, was to those people. Yeah, that's not how I took it, which is part of why I got upset. When you pointed out how you meant it, I back, I walked that back. That wasn't the part that upset me. I just want to qualify that because I think it's important. But I see your I see I kind of see your where you're going. I just I don't know if that necessarily adjusts your understanding of the situation at all. If not, fine. But in case that it did, I wanted to point out that that very specifically the idea that someone refers to Abbe as random is at best sort of surprising, which is why one of the people who pointed it out also seemed surprised. The fact that you were kind of. Saying what you said on top of some of the other things that I felt you'd said and the way that I took it was the part where I got upset. And when you pointed out, I I walked it back is what I feel. I mean, if you don't think that I walked it back in good faith and it was something else, then that's fine. But that no, 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 no. I I guess what's where I'm stumbling is I feel like you were taking a lot of what I said to be more. um, I don't know. Vitriolic. It, I think yeah, it felt it felt vitriolic. It did. It did. I, I have I, to say, I, I was I, really kind of like, I have to go back and look. Yeah, but I didn't feel angry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, um, yeah. Okay, moving on. Group number three. Yes. Um, people who are aware of happy and who don't like him. Right. Which is a larger uh, group than I would have thought. Which is probably again naive of me. But yeah. But it will. But again, you're in the first group. Right. Right. So like it's always a surprise when you're basically, you know, someone's fan to find out that other people like really dislike them, especially when it's other people that you think share your taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. 
you know, you, you really do have the moment of like, what? Yeah. But I thought I thought we were simpatico on this, and right. we're really not simpatico. <laughs> like this is amazing. Yes. You know. Yeah. Um, and then four are people who like didn't don't don't care anything about anything mm-hmm. other than the the headline, mm-hmm. right? Which I mean, you literally saw people being like. I don't care if he was in CIA or not. He writes a great Batman comic. Right, right, exactly. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like this is genuinely insane. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's. But it, it was. I. I. So it. So all I kept seeing was this tribalism and people being unable to to communicate across the tribes. Yes. Like like genuinely unable. Not not um. Uh, not trying to start a fight. But mm-hmm. being unable to see each other's points of view, mm-hmm. um, and it felt it, it like like when I was talking about the the, the generation gap and the comic critics thing as well, right? Um, it feels like this weird thing where, and and this really came from you and and from the other person who was talking about Abby being random and being surprised about it. There's this sense of because both you and he. When I, admittedly clumsily, was like, well, to certain people, he is a random because he's not done anything that they would have seen. Had the same, like, literally the same response, which is, if he's a random, then I'm even more of a random. Which is very true, yeah. Right? and But exactly the same response, mm-hmm. which was fascinating to me. Independently, you both had that response. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that there's an audience, like the, there's a tribe, if you will, mm-hmm. of people who don't just like aren't familiar with Happy, but like see him as a figurehead or as an important person, mm-hmm. as someone who uh, has uh, more than just clout, like has standing, has has an importance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's Funny is not the right word. What's fascinating to me is in both your case and the other person, mm-hmm. I feel that both of you have done as much, if not more, than Ape. But there's a, a something about being in this like this this body, this group. Mm-hmm. Because Abby did specific things at specific times. Like it's hilarious to me that when other people were talking about him. Mm-hmm. Like you were like he did this, this he, like everyone knows about the TCJ spectacular fuck, right? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. I have to Google it. <laughs> what else went? Like I, the last time anyone was talking about him was when he was talking about Robert Crumb, and I was like, I don't remember that. Sure, I'll have to Google it. Right. Like it's this weird thing where like everyone has these weird touchstones, mm-hmm. or like everyone knows X, right? And it's like no. <laughs> well, so so. Interestingly enough, I feel like there's a there's a couple of different ways to slice up this pie. Uh, And what I think is great, what I think is really, again, why I wish that I could draw all these lines together and I can't, is I feel like this entire conversation pretty much from the beginning of the podcast up to now is all talking about the same thing. Oh, it is. You know, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, like the top list of 100 Abhay, all of this stuff is all so tied into these ideas of and 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 in a way it is the 
the power of pop culture is has so much to do with this thing of like i like this thing this thing is important to me and it's kind of and and then it becomes something more this thing defines me well but i yes i guess so i mean uh, this thing defines me i mean that yes absolutely but i think there's also kind of the there is a to me it's more of the idea of the shock that it is not a thing that necessarily defines other people is kind of stunning there's a weird way in which i know that art has never recovered from science like science quote-unquote true science has done amazing things in a relatively short period of time art has been around forever and it has done shit you know what i mean and there's a weird way in which art is like oh this is a thing i like i like this thing this thing is amazing you too will like this thing i don't like this thing really you don't don't and in i think in part because we get into this weird like admittedly somewhat predating science but this whole like ah truth is beauty and beauty truth you know there's this weird bullshit of like oh no but there is an ultimate like i'm like poo-pooing the canon and yet at the core of it when you strip things down there is part of me that's like no but there are some things that are universal and frankly there's probably nothing that is truly at all fucking universal at all you know but you know there's just stuff that seems sweeping enough that you're like well surely this is everything and it's it's not but i think but it's not it's not important as long as it's everything to you but the weird part is i feel that there's a weird way in which because we associate art with uh commonality and communality like you know david foster wallace had said the idea of art is to make us feel less alone you know and i think that's actually a really good little thumbnail description but it also does point out part of the problems with art which is when when it actually ends up backfiring and making us feel more alone i think that's when we get scrabbly you know what i mean and it and I don't mean in the sense of, you know, a seven letter word and bonus scores. I mean, <laughs> just, you know, like we, we get a little anxious about it. And when you throw, when you then throw in genuine tribalism of which our culture is just replicating that like a son of a bitch, um, uh, you know, it's just viral. I, I think that that really does, at, you know, just unfortunately really up that factor where all of a sudden people start drawing into teams and people are like, yeah, this is I'm team blah and you're team blah. And our goal is like you suck and we're great. And it's like I don't I don't subscribe to that. But it is. But I do know that I can fall into the trap of a believing that there are some things that are so good, like everyone has to see it like there's a belief during the renaissance that i i I, and i think the english renaissance as opposed to the italian renaissance i could be wrong that i know i took very much to heart at too young an age which is kind of the idea of like is that is that good art really does sort of work for everybody and of course it doesn't you know but Mm -hmm. but like i said and maybe that's the part where it sort of starts you sort of start getting desperate and not again not so much like i said and i could be wrong not so much in a sense of self-definition but almost the opposite the idea of like please don't tell me that i'm trapped here all alone you know liking this thing because i feel like 
A, this thing made me feel less alone, and B, this thing is a way in which I was able to, like, um, connect with other people. Like, it's mm -hmm. a stunning thing that you and I sit here and talk about comic books, and it's a stunning, stunning thing that other people listen to us do it. Yes! I'm, yes! Right? Right? Like, and I am. I'm A, I'm truly grateful for that, and B, there is that idea of, like, yes, this is a thing that can bring us all together. And then when it gets down to it and you see these fractures, you know, that it's kind of like, no, but but we're together on this, right? And no, we're but, clearly okay, not. But, but to flip that around, like, especially looking at something like the top 100 list, mm -hmm. is there not something wonderful, like genuinely wonderful that people can have such different opinions? Yeah, like, do, do you sure. Not, do you not yeah, like yeah. – yeah. <laughs> that, that sounded convincing. Well, no, 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 because from the viewpoint of the top 100 list, it's great. When it's from the point of Abe's article, I'm like, I think it's a little terrifying, you know, so... Wait, I mean, why? Okay, but, but again, why is it terrifying as long as people say civil? And again, it's the internet. No one's going to say civil. Well, I think that but... might be part of it. Is this A, no one's going to stay civil, and B, I guess, I guess uh, the again, the part that bothers me is, is that there seemed to be a weird lack of, um, well, and who knows? May, maybe I'm just falling into the the Louis K Louis C K defender crowd in the sense of part of me is like you're not being really civil in the way that you're dismissing this guy's admittedly uncivil uh, um, argument. But uh, you know I, that's that's something I'll have to wrap my brain around later, I guess. Um, so, yes. No, in theory, like you said, as long as people are civil, I think that there's there's well, but the list of the top 100 comics is great because in a way it doesn't matter. It's arbitrary. It's like these are things that people enjoyed reading these comics. This, that's great. You know, it when it gets down into the realm of someone saying like, hey, I think this is proof of a, a more troubling uh, thing about the comics industry and it's a toxic swamp of people being toxic and it's something that we should look out for and everyone turns around and goes this is the person who is toxic and it's the problem i'm kind of like uh, i'm a little worried about that you know what i mean okay and again there is two a... two two part response to that yes one do you think ape's ultimate point is going to be lost as the conversation evolves two do you honestly think that ape wasn't being slightly toxic in that post i think that a Abbe's point was already lost and does not seem any closer to being recovered because I don't see anyone talking about it in any kind of meaningful way. And B, I do think that Abbe was being toxic about it <laughs> in the way that he was presenting it, which is. It's so, so why is it problems to point that out? I, I don't think that. Or is it, or my is my worry is it doesn't seem to go anywhere beyond that. It doesn't. It never seems to move anywhere beyond at best. Oh, but see, Tom King posted his photos. You know, uh, what do you have to say about your for yourself? You know, and I I just think like that's... okay, but okay. Imagine a part two to this there. Therefore, where Appy responds to Tom King posting the photographs, doubles down on the point as you see it. Mm -hmm. and tries to shift the conversation along. Is that not a best-case scenario? I think that the best-case scenario didn't have anything to do with Tom King. Like I said, it had to but do you, with DC the, pointing these things out. But, but, but by the way that he wrote it, he made it into that, Jeff. 
I feel you that must you must acknowledge that. I the way that post was written, written the way that post was written, even wow, made it impossible that that wasn't meant to be the takeaway. You know I, what? Again, he knew that. Think of the very first line of that article. Okay, you know what? Hold on a second, because the I'm sad buzzing. part is you're buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's come back in two two minutes and and we'll okay. go right back. Into it. <laughs> I actually had that moment of like, oh shit. Like I literally did think, you know, in the Rocky movies where they've got the woman who's like walking around with the, the, <laughs> the, the round, you know, it's like round three. It's like, ah shit. Really? I mm, thought this was going to be an exhibition bout. Damn it. It was funny. I, uh, I went and peed and, uh, and Edie's like, so are you guys wrapping up? I'm like, nah, we're still in it. And she's like, you're still in it. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, Maybe you should talk about how good Into the Spider-Verse was. And I'm like, oh, if only we were Shit. that smart. Shit. You know? we, no, we really do. Okay, let's wrap this up super quickly and then very quickly talk about Into the Spider-Verse because I no, really no, do no. want to hear your talk. I, 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 wait, wait. What part are we supposed to wrap up? Wait, no, 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 no. The, the, the Appy thing, super so, quickly. I don't know. I don't think – I feel like, again, we're right at the end of – okay. So as you, you said and, and, and right before we jumped off that you're like – his opening all but points to that he knew that everyone was going to make it about Tom King. Right. Okay. So I think the fact that Abe writes, because his opening, and you mentioned his opening line, the fact that he writes, I don't think this is really a story about Tom King is to me a very strong, to, to me, I'm like, that only underlines exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, I feel that someone who's trying to troll for the lulls is is like it's not even that it doesn't start as this is not a story about Tom King. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I it see doesn't that. For, whereas for me, for me, part. that for me that line is even more trolling. I don't think this is really a story about Tom King. I don't think so. I mean, I see your point. I, no, I know. But... I know. No, I know right. we're just different pages, different sides of the page in this. Yeah. But I honestly, I read that as trolling. I read that as him, uh, like knowing exactly what everyone's going to take away from it. And to be honest, I think they're right in taking that away because that's, the, that's what the story is about. I don't, I think, I think that his, he's pointing out that when you start with a thing saying, this is not a th- story about this. And then it's and it is a story about that. And then the the and it builds to a larger point um, about, you know, he because I do feel like, again, the the all the rest of the stuff, he knows how it's what people are, are how people are going to walk away from it. And the, he is aware of what he's baiting the trap with. But the mm-hmm. point is, is that he's not. The, the what's the debate on the trap is not the point. The point is the larger stuff that he is trying to talk about and how it all ties together. And I feel it doesn't because it doesn't tie together as well, because it closes with the level of um, that, that it closes with uh, of 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 legalese. Uh, I, I feel that the 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 point is largely missed, but I well. I also feel that for whatever else, it the point is very largely been missed and it is not discussed. Um, okay, okay, I just want to interrupt for a second to ask this. Right. Do you believe that the author's intent is more important than what they own is takes from a story? 
I I believe if you're saying that the person, if you're talking about the author's intent, it is. You can't say that the person's trolling for the lulls if people. You take don't away think the obvious point it was. Okay. But you know what I, I mean? Like if you're saying like someone's trolling for the lulls, then you're talking about the person's intention. So you have to talk sure, about but I guess, what the I guess person's the, okay. intention was, right? Not what people take away from it. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is Ape is smart enough to know what people are going to take away from it. Therefore, in right in publishing the story the way he did, that therefore is his intent. I, like, no matter I, how no matter how he structures it, no matter what other things he puts in there, he's smart enough to know what people are going to take away from it. And if he publishes like that, he's putting that out in the world. Yeah, I just I I don't I don't think that I can buy that. Again, me... I genuinely think that if this was someone else, you would be with me in this. I genuinely believe that. Mm, I, I, I think, I I think if this point. was anyone else and it was about anyone else, you would be with me in this. I wish I, I wish that were true. I just I really don't think that that's the case. But it, it, but you're right. I mean, let's put it this way. One of the things that is rough is, again, yeah, I am. A, I'm in Abbey's wheelhouse. As no, you, you know, are yeah, 100% yeah. an yeah. happy son. You yeah. are. Yeah, I absolutely. Absolutely. But I also feel that a lot of that is from reading and appreciating his stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel like. But, th- but well, you, again, don't become a, you don't become a fan of someone by not reading their stuff. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm clearly, obviously, I'm a fan of his stuff. But I also feel like there are people like, for example, I'm. I'm a fan of – well, here's uh, – okay, this might be an interesting comparison. James Elroy was a dude that I was a fan of, uh, and I would still say that I'm a fan of in that I appreciated the stuff that I read, and I read it multiple times. At a certain point, I really became – that like a few people stepped forward and were like, hey, you know what? I don't really want to name names, but this person is a huge racist piece of shit. And it was like, everyone's like, hey, they're talking about James Elroy. And it was kind of like looking around. I'm like, oh, James Elroy is a hugely racist piece of crap. I'm not a fan of him anymore as a result. I can talk about the ways in which I appreciated his writing. But sure, the fact but that's, that, yeah, I don't see that as analogous at all. I, I don't I see it as an entirely separate thing. Why? Because because Abby, because you appreciated the story that he published. Abby, not it, James Elroy. Well, no, 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 no. But I, uh, but I guess what I'm trying to say there's something, is there's something much blunter about being a racist piece of shit than there is about well, I can take this meaning from the story. Uh, I, I, the analogy for me would be if James Elroy published a story that was a racist that was racist as shit. James Elroy yet, has yet, published I, nothing yet, but no. stories that are racist as shit. But James Elroy has always been like, oh, but I'm writing about people from an historical period and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not racist, but blah, blah, blah. And I believe that at some level. And then once it was like, oh, he's racist, I really don't want anything to do with him because I had been uh, indulging in this kind of level of deception that the author okay. was playing outside of the realm of – of the inside the sandbox realm. Okay, of- so in that case, are you is the analogy then not if Ape was then to come forward and say I'm just trolling? Yes, then because are, are you not argue are you not arguing therefore like that you were at the pre being told that James Elroy is a piece of shit? You were still indulging in the like this work works for me and I can convince myself that his intentions are pure. 
No, I don't El- think that I I don't know if you know how loaded the phrase I can convince myself that his intentions are pure <laughs> are, Graham, but that's pretty loaded way of putting it. You know, OK, you but no, no. But you understand what I'm saying? I do understand. Well, it was not it was not. Perhaps I understand. That I, I guess what I'm saying is in my understanding of what you're saying about the James I. Roy. Yes. So. so what I'm saying is, right. If if Abbey comes forward and were to say that or if someone were be like i happen to know that abe like i was at lunch with it, like the other day right exactly whatever. right and he was like tom king stole my girl you know or whatever it is then i'd be like okay that's kind of that's kind of bullshit but like because uh, because i guess what i'm saying is like for me what i'm hearing from your james Heller anecdote is like i'm a fan of a guy until i get definitive proof that i shouldn't be a fan of the guy well and that seems – that's what seems not analogous here because you've not been given definitive proof. Well, it's still in the, the subjective reading of, of a text, Well, right? but part of what – part of where I was going with was first I want to say that I am not a ride-or-die guy. You know what I mean? It's not – because and, – and I think that, that I, I admittedly, as I always do, muddy the waters a little bit. But where we were going was kind of – I do want to say – I would like to believe that there are people that if there's if if there's something that strikes me as wrong enough, I will not be a fan. Oh, sure. There, sure. there no, are people I, who are huge pieces of shit and some of them are hugely racist pieces of shit that I'm not that I still kind of can't be like, ah, but you know what? Like, uh, you know, because I mentioned Hemingway. I'm like, the sun also rises is an incredible piece of work. That guy was a misogynist uh, anti-Semite, but. He wrote a good sentence, you know, or like T.S. Eliot or or huge swaths of literature and arts and, you know, the fuckhead who like directed and wrote, adapted Rosemary's Baby into a film, just an amazing film in which I still love. And he's still that guy's still a huge piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm really, you know, it's a lot easier in those contexts because they're fictional pieces and because fiction allows us that distance that you can be like, oh, sure, he's a piece of shit. But that doesn't mean that like sonnet on, a, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like Elroy's hard because he writes fictional novels and he writes fictional novels in which people are hugely racist and then it's like but it's okay i'm capturing an era and it's not hugely racist it's a little bit closer to when we get to people writing personal essays and saying that they're doing the thing that they're doing because they're doing it i'm kind of like i am inclined in this particular case to believe this person for a lot of different reasons um and again part of me is like i don't feel the, the fact that you got to the point where you're saying just because someone knows that they're playing with fire, therefore they should not do that because they know that they can take away that thing. And therefore, even if they weren't doing something like the idea that they are doing this irresponsibly, I'm kind of like, oh, OK, I kind of see that. But I don't necessarily see it to the point of it's irresponsible and therefore it should not have been done. I'm like, mm, no, uh, I'm not saying it should have been done. I'm saying that he knew exactly what he was doing. But your whole point being like, and therefore that's why he did it, is not, is not, doesn't follow for me, Graham. It really doesn't. I don't think that, you know, you, you kind of keep framing it in this context of like, you know, and maybe that's it. Maybe the whole point is, is that, you know, you're kind of like, well, if he wasn't trolling for the lulls, what he was doing was he framed something so irresponsibly 
that he shouldn't have done it because he knows what the takeaway would have been. It's like, I'm like, I don't think that's the way that that works. And, and again, I can see our, you know, I think we have to agree to disagree on that point instead of the, I see where you're kind of being like, I feel if this was anyone else or anywhere else, oh, no, we sure. would no, be I, no, in Jeff, agreement I'm not, on this. No, and I'm, I'm not just trying, like, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to convince you. Cause right. they, cause it, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's literally not worth, worth the hassle. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's no, there's no value to be gained from it. It's not going to change anything objectively. It's not going to make my life better. It's not going to make your life better. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm really not trying to convince you. Well, okay. it's just that the, the situation as I see it mm-hmm. for me runs is something that I can't help but feel that your fandom of Ape is changing your position. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, I'll just put that out there. I, to- I, I get it. You know, the thing that's hilarious is it actually also reminds me of our discussion about Tom King's Batman, where you're kind yeah. of like, if like you were, if you weren't such a big enough fan of Batman, you would be able to do this. And it's a, it's weirdly, um, I, I just, it's that, it's that weird level of, I feel like a, I'm not responding to it in a personal way because I'm not going to the, if you only knew how patronizing that sounded. Oh, but, no, no, like when you, no, it's funny when you said that, I was like, wow, I'm being a patronizing dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it, it, there, there, there's a little, there is, there is a little bit of patronization to it, but I'm also kind of like, no, 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 that's still not quite it. Like, and I could be wrong. I could really, I'm well aware that I could be very much fooling myself on it, but I'm like, no, 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 no. There's, there is, there is something that's crucial about it, which is that weird way of, and it, and it may only be because in the, we're only framing this in, in the framework of my emotions and not your emotions. But I, I think that I still think that there is, there's something that's weirdly, off about that because i am aware of the level of all the various ways in which my emotions are involved in it and and yet i still find myself feeling um you know what it is it 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 reminds me of the um the argument between holly hunter and albert brooks about william hurt at toward the end of broadcast news right where oh my god okay because like, I, I, I want to follow you down the rabbit hole. I'm, I, I hope that you can, but it doesn't. Have you seen the movie? I'm not in years, Jeff. Okay. Like, really not no, in no, years. No, no, no. I, I don't think I have either. So I could probably be getting it wrong. But I think, feel like it's a very strong little moment. And unfortunately, because I haven't seen it in years, I haven't seen it with enough of a jaundiced eye to be like, oh, this point actually means the opposite of what I think it does. But it, there's essentially a point where they're arguing about whether or not William, because Albert Brooks's gambit is, I think that William Hurt's character is the devil, you know, and they argue about that for a little bit. And Holly Hunter is like, well, I think you're the devil. And he's like, I, I don't remember if his point is, is like, I'm not the devil or you don't really think that, but he's. She's like, well, how do I know you're not the devil? And he's like, if I was the devil, I'd like to think we were close enough friends that I would tell you, you know? <laughs> and and so I kind of feel like that's kind of the point. That's sort of Brooks's 
you know, that's the point. Of, that's part of the point of that character. And so part of me really does. I could be mistaken, but I would like to believe that I'm clear headed enough that if it was just me reacting about my emotions, that I would know and say it. And the fact that I feel that that it's beyond that, there's a little bit more than that, even if it's not necessarily a thing that I can articulate or explain or even manage to 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 like um make my point without without blood seeping out of my eyeballs um i still does doesn't mean that it's not necessarily the case it just unfortunately means that i'll never really be able to 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 articulate it so but it is that thing of like graham i would like to think that if you knew me well enough you would know that that if that were really the case i would own up to it but maybe your point is jeff i do know you well enough and the point is is that you would not own up to it with your emotions because you you haven't yet in all these years of discussing this stuff so there we have it so that's i think that if nothing else i can at least describe the plane of the impasse that we must agree to to shake hands on and then i guess move on to into the spider-verse so welcome whatnots to 2019 year of grandma jeff psychoanalyze each other but mostly jeff psychoanalyzes himself yeah using albert brooks films as the thing. <laughs> Movies that Albert Brooks are in. I was going to say, like, I feel like this is some weird ersatz, like, um, uh, Travis Bickle episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing ever do an Albert Brooks film, but still. Yeah, 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 totally. Where it's, everyone's being like, huh, broadcast news. Did not see that one coming. Gotta say, even when I was 90 minutes in, I did not think that's where it was going to go. Uh, uh, okay, Jack, you've been going on for so long. We should talk about Into the Spider-Verse, but we should do it quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I, I, I think we're both I think we're both going to be like in agreement on this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, people Did did you like it cuz you you saw it like significantly later than me or Matt Terrell. Matt Terrell saw it first That's and the right. two of us were raving about it. Yeah. And we were both like, "Jack, you have to see it. You have to see it. You have to see it." Yeah. Did you I forget. Did you see it opening weekend, Graham? Or uh Yes, I did. Okay. I did. Right. So, uh right. And I saw it uh, much later, like only just last week. It's weird. I feel like it was much later. It was one of those, like, it's only been it's, out three weeks. Yeah, but... actually, it's, it's one of those things where, because everyone was talking about it, everyone was talking about it. Like, there was articles before it was released with, like, here's the Easter eggs you missed. And it's like, the film isn't out for another fucking week, people. You know, one um, of, it's interesting to me how much Into the Spider-Verse, I mean, hopefully will not, It's it seems like it's going to avoid that fate, but narrowly is this it's almost like Scott Pilgrim in the sense of there were people who had seen it and were raving about it well before it was out. Yes. Yeah. And, and in an attempt to get it better word of mouth that either somehow did not work, you know, I say that, but actually what was weird was I swear that there were a number of movies that I, because it came out close enough to Christmas, like, their second weekend was around Christmas, and then after Christmas, their numbers actually went up. Like, they gained percentage points, So, mm-hmm. which is a very weird, uh, atypical thing for movies, as you know. Like, movies are generally, like, something like Aquaman. Like, the fact that Aquaman only lost, like, 24% of its audience, that's considered amazing when that happens. Because, yeah. of course, anything under 50% is impressive. But there were there were movies that had been out for multiple weeks, and I think Into the Spider Verse was one of them that like opened not great, 
second week, which was Christmas, went down a little bit and still not great. And then the third week kind of went up. It'd be great if it continued to do that. But I suspect it's going to end up kind of weirdly being like Scott Pilgrim, where despite everyone saying, like, this is amazing, you got to go see it. And here I am talking about the 10 favorite Easter eggs in it. And people are like, it's not even out yet. Is it out? Like, I thought I missed it. Is it here? You know, um, and I, think yeah, I would say I saw an opening weekend and it was a, a mostly empty theater. Yeah, which is which is weird. But on the other hand, I also remember it just I tell you, there was a lot of ways that they tried to market into the Spider-Verse and it and it just it just weirdly didn't work. And I don't know. I don't know. Again, it just feels like one of those weird things again, like Scott Pilgrim. It's a great movie. It's going to be a cult classic. I think you had I, – I knew several people who saw it, including Abe, who like called it like like the best superhero movie ever. And I think oh, you kind of agreed with that. It's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, if not ever, like definitely like far and above almost everything else this year. Like yeah. maybe Black Panther rivals it in my head, but like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it's – pretty great and i it, there is a way in which i wish we could talk about it for more than 10 minutes although i don't know what i would really say other than it's a weird it's 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 weird a how much it gets right and and i think that also what amazes me is how much of it really does come out of marvel from an era of marvel that i kind of i don't want to say had written off but i do have to say like from what I can tell, a lot of Spider-Verse sticks more closely, particularly to Brian Bendis's work, than I would have thought. And mm-hmm. even Dan, uh, they go about it in a very different way that I feel would be w- worth talking about in a longer discussion. But, I mean, admittedly, the Spider-Verse angle is, uh, unless it was a editorial fiat, is, you know, kind of Dan Slott's crazy idea that gets reconfigured here and also works quite well um, yeah mm-hmm. and it kind no, of it, it, it's it's remarkably close to like the, you know the marvel of the last 10 years yes which is a thing that i generally kind of think of as like uh not something that works very well but clearly has stronger bones in it than i would have thought and i and i thought that that was um kind of a great thing to walk out of in, into the Spider-Verse being like, oh, you know, maybe maybe I'm a little I've gotten calcified in my ways, which is not surprising. But it's it's nice to kind of realize that it's a little weird to say that about Dan Slott and Brian Bendis's Marvel work under Axel Alonso. Like, I did not see that coming, but um <laughs> You know, but all that aside, like what's great is you don't really even have to know any of that stuff to go see the movie and just be like it because it because it works. It works really, really. Did I tell you about my the kids in the screening I saw? Uh, You did, but you should tell the audience. There was there was. So I went see and there's there's a kid who's like super young, like honestly too young to see the film because he he clearly didn't understand the film Mm -hmm. because he would shout out like it's Spider-Man when Spider-Man was on screen. Right. And he just didn't understand that like Miles was Spider-Man. Right. 
until the end, like the last sequence where Miles is like being Spider-Man, like I, literally after like the, the epilogue of the film where yeah. Miles is being doing the origin thing, and he just shouts out so joyfully, "It's Spider-Man!" Yes, and it was fucking lovely. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but it, I mean, his entire commentary for the film, in a weird way, was thrilling. Because mm-hmm. like he's like, "Is Spider-Man hurt? Is Spider-Man going to be okay? Yeah. Like, why is Spider-Man sad?" And there's something about that that really underscored the emotional beats of the film yeah yeah i mean it's great especially when it nails that ending of like it works for a kid who can't even really understand what's going on yeah who literally did not like literally didn't understand the idea of like multiple realities or anything at all he did like the pig though spider-man was was big with him um yeah at the end like it's Mm spider-man and it was just like yep you got it it was it was genuinely i mean i told you i think that i like legitimately cried in the theater you did and And one of the things that was great is you also mentioned the fact that you talked with other people who'd seen it and they'd also all cried and nobody cried in the same parts yeah Yeah, different parts of the film yeah yeah and and i have to say i had a moment where i was where i cried at the film and i'm like shit is this where everyone else cried and then i meant to write it down where it was and then check with you and i forgot so i i don't even really remember where it is anymore yeah it's it's yeah it's it was great like it really was a even if you knew nothing about Mm spider-man that film works because the emotional arc of that film works so well and visually it's Fucking stunning. Oh my god. So good. So I mean, good. It's a staggering yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is. I just I really have that thing of you know, and it's funny because I've got a friend at work who's like seen likes the MCU movies and has seen them all and kind of like I'm like, so is he in, into the Spider Verse? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, you should really see it. It's really quite good. And uh, you know, I don't want to set the bar too high, but it it's worth seeing, you know. And then like I saw him like you know after the weekend, I'm like, so uh, you know, what'd you do? I did this and that and that. And I'm like, oh, you see into the Spider Verse? Oh no, not yet. And it was just literally all, but like, God damn it, go, go. No, I will fucking pay you. You know, just and it's yeah, so no, but seriously, it is. It's one of those films where, like, I, I honestly earlier today was like, I might go and see it again, mm-hmm. like this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to say, it, I, I feel the same. I feel the same. But uh, yeah, Whew. anyway, so. It's good, people. But you know, you know this. There's almost no chance that people are listening to this podcast and haven't seen it. And if there are people who listen to this podcast and haven't seen it, mm-hmm. uh, Go and see it. Like right. even if you, even if like me, you're not particularly a big Spider-Man fan. Right. Right. Go the and, go the thing and that's see, great is it really works on all levels. Like, oh, it is so smart. It's hard to imagine how they were able to do. Like, it's so perfectly positioned. Like the idea of somehow taking that, you know, that weird, like the Venn diagram of people who are Spider-Man fans and the people who aren't Spider-Man fans. And then somehow you, instead of doing the, the little overlapping area between them and it's like into the Spider-Verse into the Spider-Verse is somehow this enormous circle around both. And it's like everyone, it's like, it really is hard to imagine someone. The fact that the, (laughs) that the only thing that people can come complain about, about that movie is the goddamn dog trailer is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, worth... like it's it's legitimately it's it's that good. It's, it's yeah. such a good film. Yep. And honestly, I can see why people are going. You know, maybe best Oscar, like best movie nomination. It's, it would never win. Yeah. But I I would not be surprised if it got nominated. I I it'll be interesting. 
it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what will happen. I think it's it might have a surprisingly good shot at winning best animated movie. Which, oh, almost certainly. Yeah, I, but, let me say no, it won't. Just because like we said that it won't. It's going to go to like Despicable Me Three or something, isn't it? <laughs> We'll see. And people the, will lose their minds. Yeah. There, there like was, if that happens, people would lose their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what, I, I mean, we say that, but again, it's sort of, you know, it's not, it's not doing Aquaman business. So let's put it that way. What is? Well, exactly. And the weird part is I've yet to talk to anyone except maybe you. I don't know. Who's nope, seen Aquaman. Seen oh my <laughs> God. See, exactly. It's just this weird thing where it's like, I, I was having this conversation with with people at THR about this this week. That in a weird way, like I feel like Aquaman and Bumblebee, which came out the same weekend, mm-hmm. and Mary Poppins, which I think came out the same weekend as well, yeah. came out at the wrong time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. people were just too busy. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think that's it. I do think that everyone was a, a, a was a little too busy, and also I think it's that it, it, it there is a lot of well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because I was going to say like it, it's. You just sometimes you got to pace these things. And sometimes it's like if you put four like, you know, the Hollywood talks about how the rising, you know, the rising tide like swells all boats. Fucking hell. Uh, But is sometimes when there's like four movies that are all sort of similar nerd movies, I kind of feel like suddenly someone's like, ah, I'm just overwhelmed with choice. I'll just I'll not go to any movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that weird because people were saying really good things about Bumblebee. And again, it's you wouldn't you wouldn't really know it from the box office. You know, <laughs> it's kind of strange. Like Aquaman is at least the one where everyone's like, it's terrible, but it's fun. And like the numbers seem to reflect that. But again, yeah, Aquaman is now the most successful DC movie. Right? Which is amazing. But under, unlike Wonder Woman, I still don't know anyone who's seen it. Like, I yeah, literally don't. It feels, like, it feels like everyone saw Wonder Woman, right? Yeah, everyone saw Wonder Woman. But also it's that weird thing of, like, everyone talked about Wonder Woman. And, and maybe Aquaman is that weird guilty pleasure where everyone's going to go see it, but nobody's going to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like... The Fast and the Furious got to like five movies before people actually admitted that they like watched the goddamn things. You know what I mean? Clearly, we I like I saw one didn't bother with two through four. Clearly, people did because they kept making them, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it was huge. But so maybe that's the thing with Aquaman, where everyone's like, "Yeah, I saw it. I'm never going to admit it until Aquaman five. But you know, I was going to say, let, let's talk in 2030 when Aquaman five is coming out. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, Jeff, we've got to wrap this up. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> everybody, we're sorry that a we went on at such ridiculous lengths. Yeah, b, welcome, welcome back, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> we've made a two and a bit hour episode. Oh, well, it's almost three hours, isn't it? It's it's going to end up being close to three hours, and it's going to be it's going it's going to be us fighting like we have not fought in a while. So. But what's funny, uh, I speaking from my point of view, mm-hmm. this is a fight where like um, I not that I didn't want to win, but like I didn't feel like personally engaged. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like do you know do you know what I mean? Like it's one of those fights where like I I you could have trounced me and I would have been like okay, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. No, I sort of get that. I kind of get that, and it's it's uh it's interesting. Like I said, I clearly had a lot more emotions 
uh, tied to it and a, a lot more um, uh, vitriol, I think. You know, and to me, I'm kind of – let's put it this way. I'm just relatively comfortable that we can have like – because we've been doing this for so long, I feel like we could have some – version of a knockdown drag out fight maybe especially after the tom king one and just be like okay and we'll be back next week like i'm not too worried about it oh yeah it's not yeah it's not going to be like the end of the podcast right yeah exactly you know knock on wood it'd be great wait we like wrap it up yeah and it's like okay so anyway how was your week well first off jeff i'm ending the podcast so you know (laughs) that's it i hope you enjoyed this one it's the last one (laughs) can't be because we we've told patreon people that something's happening that's right that's right we have Shh, only patreon people no one else knows that's right if if you're not a member of patreon you don't know what we're talking about pa- patreon people but you will yeah but you, you will. will yeah soon soon enough but for now there's only a select few who know Shh. don't say and I, I have the thing that we i don't know if you've checked comments jeff i you know we got a lot I, yeah, yeah, and people are people are happy, which is is which makes me thrilled. Yeah, like I'm really excited now. Yeah. I was excited before, but I'm really excited seeing how much other people are excited. Yeah, I am too. I, I people who are not Patreon uh, supporters, a, I'm sorry, and b, <laughs> this is probably very frustrating for you. But we said something that got really good feedback. Jeff and I were already excited about, yeah. but now I think we're both like I'm I'm legitimately more excited after seeing. How like seeing the positive feedback it got on Patreon? Yeah, yeah. I actually got a little scared, which I think is actually a good sign. So yeah, it's kind of like, oh shit, we better not fuck this up. Anyway, and you'll know what we're talking about soon, but not yet, not yet. But if you keep your eyes out, you'll start seeing hints soon. Yeah, I'm so excited. This Maybe. is us doing an actual. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Okay, so yes, Graham, let's let us wrap this up. Um, sure. Do you want me to tell everyone that you know that there is a Patreon? But before that, I'd say that you know you can also check us out on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod, on uh, Tumblr waitwhatpod.tumblr.com, and on Twitter at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter himself. It's great. For some reason, he's calling himself complicit now, but it's at lazy bastard at l a z y b a s t i d. I'm still calling myself my name like a like an idiot. I'm <laughs> at Graham M at G R A E M E M, and yeah, we have a Patreon. And so Jeff is going to tell you all about the Patreon right now. Yeah, basically, we're as I mentioned before, and you know, even even as we were um, sipping tea and casting side eye and throwing shade and doing all that other stuff that sounds like Steve. Yes. Wait, what? That's dancing, isn't it? Isn't that a horrible (laughs) dancing maneuver? Fuck it. I'll never forget when I first read that and I was like, you sound like an asshole, sir. You do. Like, I'm sorry. I just, is that, that's not a preferred term for you, is it, Graham? Like, you No, it's, it no, it's 100% not. Don't worry. Yeah. Sorry. And my apologies to anyone who's like, God damn it. I'm cutting shapes right now while I'm listening to you guys. Curse you. No, you throw shapes. You don't throw, cut oh, shapes. Is it you throw? throw shapes. Oh, maybe yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe I was um maybe I read it wrong. I swear someone else was referring to dancing as cutting shapes. Maybe it was throwing shapes. Anyway, just don't just don't. <laughs> Should be my my special <laughs> little. This has been my PSA. If you're going to talk about dancing and you're referring to shapes in any way, do not do that. Uh, yeah, we're old farts, and but we are in absolutely thrilled that we can still talk to each other 
uh, and 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 know that we are uh, listened to by other people who take some other form of amusement or out of it as well. And we're also super grateful that there are some people on Patreon who feel so much so that they will throw us a little bit of the I was going to say the cosmic cube. I'm like, hmm, that's not really a that's really not a form of payment. But uh, the old space dosh, which we appreciate, and we're especially grateful to the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for their continuing support of this podcast and of this corner of the celestial uh, arm. We we appreciate it and very 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 much and. Separate and apart from it, we hope that all of you are having a great, fantastic new year. Graham? Yes, uh, happy new year, happy end of holidays, because by the time that you hear this... In fact, today's the 5th, right? That's this, right. This, is, this yeah. is the 12th day of Christmas. That's this, right. This is the, yes. end, the very end of the holidays. As, wow. as, you, as you hear this, it's going to be the 6th or 7th. I can't even remember when we release episodes anymore. But I will say this for the first time in 2019. Bye!